0: Welcome to Fightful, and welcome to Inside the Royal Rumble. Uh, from 2021 through 2023, each year I did a major feature just ahead of the Royal Rumble. It started off as me wanting to do some big, all-encompassing story of the Royal Rumble, but as I found out, that would be nearly impossible. That's that's writing a book. That's That's something well beyond what I had the, the capability of doing at that point. So what I decided to do was just collect stories about the process of the Royal Rumble. What happened? Uh, what went wrong? What changed? And we released Inside the Royal Rumble. Uh, I did this by interviewing dozens of wrestlers uh, about their processes and their experiences. And people liked it so much, and I liked doing it so much, that I brought it back for a second edition as well. We had the benefit of speaking to people like Adam Cole, Brett the Hitman Hart, Kurt Angle, even the Bushwhackers about some of their Royal Rumble experiences. And then I went to the Royal Rumble in 2022 in St. Louis, which is known as one of the worst Royal Rumbles of all time. And I covered that very extensively on site, talking to a lot of people. So for Inside the Royal Rumble 3, I just shared a ton of behind the scenes stories About that, And instead of dropping a bunch of interviews, I did a full-on feature-length video about that as well. What we've decided to do this year uh, is, instead of bringing back Inside the Royal Rumble, because uh, that that is a very arduous, time-consuming feature, we are going to collect all three of our Inside the Royal Rumble features for those of you who may not have seen it. And in addition, we're going to add on some more footage at the very end of additional stories and some footage from press conferences that I was able to get last year as well. Uh, This is just my favorite time of the year. There is this overwhelming sense of positivity in which I think is going to have a different approach moving forward with WWE in in a different regime. But I'm very excited to share with you guys some of these stories uh, that, that maybe you haven't heard or maybe that you are reliving now. Enjoy Inside the Royal Rumble. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, Fightful.com. Who doesn't love the WWE Royal Rumble match? Uh, I do, probably uh, more than many, to the point where I have spent uh, much of my time over the last four years collecting stories about the Royal Rumble. I have a new feature on Fightful.com, over 10,000 words, called Inside the Royal Rumble. And I speak to people who are involved in the Royal Rumble match from all aspects in the ring, production, Commentary, even audio mixing. There's a lot to the Royal Rumble, and I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could about it. There, it's not hard to find people to talk about the Royal Rumble. There are at least now 60 people in a Royal Rumble match every single year. But there are a variety of roles. There are people that are there to make uh, others look good. There are there there are people that are there to get their own shine. There are people there to look dominant, and then there are the people that call the action. There's a whole lot to the Royal Rumble match that so many people don't know. And inside the Royal Rumble was something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time to kind of dive into that. But I also wanted to release a companion video piece with it too. Now all these stories are not in the video. There are a lot that you'll have to go to the article to see. Because a lot of these interactions were via text message or off the record or anonymous or even via DM. So there's a lot of stuff that you're going to get in the article that is not in this video, but I wanted to also compile the video that I had. Conversations with wrestlers from the bottom of the card to the top of the card, some short, some really extended in-depth and long. We've even spoke to some writers about the Royal Rumble, and we're going to get you kicked off by talking to one of the best. How about the 1994 Royal Rumble winner, Bret the Hitman Hart? Last question, we'll let you go. You mentioned Pat Patterson and how instrumental he was in matches. I'm working on a Royal Rumble project, and you had a couple of pretty big moments in, in Royal Rumbles, from the one that led to Final Four in 97 to the, the double win in 94. What do you remember about putting those matches together, who helped out, and just the process of a Royal Rumble? Because it has to be a complicated situation for some people, and for some people, maybe not
3: well it's it's one of those things that um, you know I think you know when when they lay out the the strategy or the psychology of the match, um, Pat was always one of the best to um, lay it out he was He always had a great vision. Pat was one of those kind of guys that um, if you had an idea and you were talking to Pat, you know, if he said to Pat, like, how about this? And then you explain the idea to Pat. Pat had an ability to visualize what you're talking about while you're talking. Like he could visualize it and recognize right away whether or not it would work. And, um, like I can remember when I first started in, in WWF, it wasn't a rumble or anything, but I can remember, you know, been there about two years and I can remember Pat coming up to me and going, uh, we were working with the Bulldogs. And he goes, I can't remember what the finish was or anything like that. But I just remember he he was kind of out of ideas. And I said, how about this? And I ran a whole finish by him that we had done used to do in Calgary with the Stampede Wrestling. And I just remember I laid it out to him. Pat looked at me and goes, you can do all that? Like, just <laughs> like that? And I said, yeah, we can do all that. We've done it lots of times. And he goes, I want to see it. You do do everything you just told me, and I want to watch. I'm going to go out and watch. And we went out and did the whole match, like clockwork. And he came back, and he was just blown away. And he, he was like, I can't believe how good that match was and how, like, you had so much in there and so much, you know, it didn't look rehearsed or practiced. It was just, we had done it a million times kind of thing. And I think that was when and if I can pat myself on the back, I think that was when they started to realize that I was a good finish guy. Like I was a guy that could come up with my matches and like, you don't need to, I remember with the, when I fought uh, Davy and Wembley, I remember telling Vince, I said, I went up to him. I said, do you want to know the finish? He goes, no, don't tell me. Uh He goes, I want to see it for myself. I just want to go out and feel it. Like I know, I know it's going to be good. I just want to watch it. And you know, most of the time that I was champion, um, they would give me a rough idea of what they wanted for a finish, whether it's a DQ or as a count out or whatever, was a pinfall or a sharpshooter. And the rest was up to me. Like you figure it out and you do whatever you want. as we we're, we're, they were satisfied that I would make it the best possible. And, uh, I always read my, I always liked that and appreciated that respect that they had for me. And, uh, know with the rumbles it's kind of you know if you're lucky enough to be in the final sort of eight guys in there to kind of be part of the the best part of the storytelling of a rumble um you know it's i think if i remember correctly the um the rumble with um steve austin in uh texas and all that where i got double crossed and i actually won and all that that was all i think vince and um you know, and Steve was such a great guy to work with. He was a natural. Um, you know, he had a great kind of chemistry of of playing his heel part, especially at that time of being the the badass kind of rattlesnake heel that he was trying to be. Uh, we always had such great chemistry together, Steve and I. Like we 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 enjoyed uh, the role playing of me being the. You know, I love the look on Steve's face when I walk out and he's like stunned, you know, and he's almost scared that I'm coming out.
0: One of those.
3: (laughs) So, you know, a lot of that was Steve. A lot of that was me. A lot of that was Vince. It was just everyone gelling together and having good chemistry. And, uh, you know, I will say as far as rumbles go, I think my favorite rumble was um, the one with Lex Luger, where we both went out at the same time and you know that was so hard to do i mean if you really think about it like you can both go over the top rope but you have to land exactly the same time on the ground it has to be done perfect and there's no way to guarantee that there's no way to ensure that there's this and in fact they didn't film it they filmed it and they didn't show it because they were they didn't want anyone to go oh but brad hart hit the ground like yeah. he's like way ahead of lex or or vice versa but I always give Lex credit for that. If you watch Lex, the way I go over the top rope, Lex grabs me and we just flip over the top rope. And, you know, it's great athleticism that both of us landed exactly. I remember they showed it the next day, Vince and Pat, they were so, you know, we didn't want to show anyone the camera angle, but in fact, we can show the camera angle because you know what? You both landed exactly the same time. And that's the beauty of, um, of, two guys that uh, are are good athletes. Lex was always a great athlete and um, you know, just two, two consummate professionals in there.
0: They tried it a few years later with rock and big show and it just didn't work. One of them hit before the other one. It's, it's, it's hard to time. And then they accidentally did it. I think 11 years later with the scene in Batista where one of them was supposed to land first. So I think you guys are the only ones that have, have timed it perfectly thus far in the Royal rumble. That's, that's, quite an achievement well i give
3: i give all the credit to lex on that one because he if you watch it i just sort of grab him and he he does the flip and i remember when i was falling over the rope and going to land i've been trying to pull my feet up and i'm sure lex was doing the same thing because i didn't want my feet to be first and we both hit the exact same time it's uh i it's pretty much a fluke Uh, Impossible to. um, if we had to do it twice, I don't know if we
0: would have done it twice the same way. The 1994 Royal Rumble is remembered most for that spot with Brett and Lex Luger. They timed it perfectly. It was very cool to hear Bret Hart give Lex Luger all that credit because you always hear Bret Hart sort of toot his own horn and bury some other people. But he gave Lex Luger a lot of credit. And look at when they have tried to do that in the past. They they tried to do it in 2000. And The Rock and Big Show did not hit the floor at the same time. And then in 2005, they didn't try to do that. But it still happened. In 2005, Batista and John Cena were the last two people in the Royal Rumble. They both hit the ground, but Batista was supposed to win that match. They came out there, they restarted it, and Vince McMahon tears both of his quads. Uh, That's not something you can prepare for. That's not something you can be ready for. Court Bauer of MLW was with the company as a writer, and I talked to him about a lot of the stuff that went into writing Royal Rumbles, that went into dealing with a situation like with Batista and John Cena, and that went into dealing with a situation like Vince McMahon tearing both of his quads. This is an extended interview about the Royal Rumble and the creative process in which goes into that.
4: Well, it's a collaborative process. Uh, everyone has their opinion, their thoughts, their vision for the Rumble, which is essentially the big bang for the the year for WWE. It kicks off WrestleMania season, and that then takes you into uh, late spring, into the summer. So everyone has their vision and how they see the year playing out and the tent pulls throughout the year, Rumble, then Mania, etc. cetera. And uh, so you're constantly having... Informal conversations in the hallways at the arenas or at Titan Towers. Uh, You're having a flurry of emails traded back, which has everyone on it. Once in a while, Vince will jump in and bark something or put over something or just not feel it at all. Uh, You have guys like Michael Hayes, who uh, has taken over the day-to-day operations of being the architect for the Royal Rumble uh, from the days when Pat Patterson was – Real hands-on, and he still contributes to it because uh, he's a phenomenal finish man. He's in a fin- just laying out matches. He's just a, he's a wizard at it. Uh, but Michael's the day-to-day guy on that, so Michael's kind of come up with entertaining scenarios and collaborating with talent and seeing what they can add to it to sprinkle in, and that's starting really right around early December, late November, and you go through uh, January. And sometimes you, you, you know your destination. Uh, it's assumed. Everyone knows. Everyone's on the same page. We know who the winner's going to be. Other times it it can almost be up to almost a game day decision. It just depends on how stable the operation is, the creative direction, how healthy the talent is, what opportunities come in at the 11th hour uh, for WrestleMania that may Uh, require the creative team and and the chairman to rethink the game plan for the rumble. So there's so many variables that can come into play that can change up anything and everything. Uh, But you try in your best effort to have a game plan and, and hopefully stick to it. But uh, year to year it's different and regime to regime, it's different within WWE.
0: So when, when Ray wins the the Royal rumble, it's obviously fresh off of the, the passing of Eddie Guerrero, were there like any other picks that you remember? Like, was there any much of any discussion given? Oh yeah.
4: Yeah. 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 I mean, there was some discussion, but I think the prevailing thought was Ray should win coming off of, uh, the, the death of Eddie Guerrero. Um, it was a weird time too, because, uh, Vince wanted to, by design, uh, create an opportunity to get some heat and, uh, heat up Randy Orton, so they did the, uh, many consider it both internally, of course, in the fans and media, a uh, fairly distasteful setup with Orton and Ray and and, and trying to, uh, per the chairman, create uh, heat for Orton in that situation using Eddie's name, and uh, there was a lot of justification that this is what Eddie would love and this is what Eddie would want. Uh, and you know it's not like we have a direct line to Eddie Guerrero to get his notes and his feedback so it was a little uncomfortable for a lot of us uh but the the idea was that Ray would be your mark to be uh the top star to ascend in the aftermath of that that horrible tragedy uh and it, it's weird because i remember that that moment in time when it's like you try to you know pick up the pieces after Eddie Guerrero's passing and, and try to figure out okay what's next? How do we, how do we figure this out? And uh, Vince is saying, we need to find the next Eddie Guerrero. And I'm instantly personally thinking, well, you know, it's like, you don't just find the next anyone, especially someone that's so super talented, like an Eddie Guerrero. It's like, Back in the 80s when Vince was already in the late 80s looking for the next Hulk Hogan and the next this guy, the next that guy. There's only one Rock. There's only one Hogan. There's only one Austin. There's only one Eddie. There's only one John Cena. It's like you can't just clone that or think uh, another talent just because he's Hispanic is going to be that. And I'm not by any way devaluing Rey Mysterio. He's an incredible attraction, Hall of Famer, uh, but he's not the same. You can't program. You can't write. You can't book. Ray Mysterio the same as Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero had a totally different persona, totally different belief system as a character, lying, cheating, stealing. Ray Mysterio was a totally different character. He was so much smaller, uh, and, and it was like a superhero come to life. The children related to him different. His like audience was slightly different. Eddie was a little grayer. You know, he could he could have an edge to him. He could be he could be a lot of things. Uh, and it just it was it couldn't be the same thing. But uh, back to your question, Ray was. For all intents and purposes, our guy going into that Royal Rumble in 2006.
0: So he and Triple H had like kind of like a double Iron Man type of situation. You mentioned that some of these things are game time decisions. Is something like that a game time decision, or <laughs> can can they show up and be like, "Well, you're going an hour"?
4: No, um, you're collaborating over the the, the the few weeks going into it. You know, it can be fine tuned and stuff, um, but about. I want to say right about now, uh, Michael Hayes, Pat Patterson, Sh- Shane McMahon will uh, be in a hotel suite they'll rent out in Stanford, and they'll have a lot of food, and there'll be some liquor, and they will kind of game plan the Royal Rumble the entrances, the eliminations, and by the end of this week, the last week going into the holidays, they'll then pitch and present their their game plan to the creative team and Vince McMahon. This is circa 2006. So what it's like in 2017, can't tell you. Uh, and, and you'll go through it, and it, a lot of it's very impressive. A lot of it's interesting. There might be a few red flags, some fine tuning. Vince might say, hey, hold on a second. It, and you go through the whole process and you kind of know, okay, they're looking to showcase a guy and tell this certain story where he's an Iron Man guy and he's going to go the distance. And then you say, well, you know, do we want him to break any records? Well, what records are there? And you fire, fire up Google and you figure out, okay, because there's no in-house – System that has all the records except for Howard Finkel uh, mm-hmm. that that can just you know he's like the in-house Google that can tell you everything about anyone uh, but uh, it's and that's one of the weird things as a sidebar there I remember getting Stephanie there was these great books I don't know if, I think Scott Teal or someone had like the MSG record books and they go back like a hundred years or something I remember as a gift I got Stephanie said this is something that you might want or might want the creative team to have uh, and of course I expensed it but <clears throat> but it was a cool <laughs> resource to have and it was surprising me that WWE didn't have something in-house like that. Now, they do now have an archivist and and that kind of thing, but it surprised me they didn't have it.
0: It always – like I always wonder when when situations happen and Kane's tossing a certain number of people out and – or maybe Roman Reigns is throwing a certain people out. Like when Kane was doing it, like do they know – Hey, he's inching towards this record, or is that even a conversation? As you said, that that record wasn't like a thing, but they did have those like De- Royal Rumble by the numbers videos eventually. Yeah, I mean some of it – and again, some of it's – the TV department does a
4: phenomenal job, and, and they're looking for that information. They're trying to pull stories and, and to enhance the attraction. Um very rarely you're, you'll have a directive from the creative team saying, hey, let's make sure we have this, this, and this. Uh, sometimes if, if, if everyone has uh, – if it's very well-organized year and or week, uh, they can anticipate that and, and coordinate with the TV. And sometimes TVN just builds it regardless. Uh, they do a phenomenal job of – creating content like that sometimes too much you'll see a, a pay-per-view and you'll be like oh my god there's so many video packages in this like do i even i mean maybe it's a benefit for people that don't want to watch that content on a week-to-week basis but if you watch it on your diehard fans like i've seen all this can we just get to the action and get some interviews
0: there are always surprises in the royal rumble who comes up with the ideas of maybe who to contact
4: contact in terms of like wouldn't it be cool if we got You know Carlos Colon and Tori Funk Jr. in a Rumble. Yes, (laughs) that was a funky Rumble. Um, It it just it. it it's just something that will pop up uh, from random people. It's like, hey, what if we? You know, there were people that were fans, like uh, Brian Gieworks is a huge fan of Bob Backlund, so he'd pitch sometimes, like, hey, maybe we can find a way to get Backlund in. This would be, and he'll have an idea that it's it's possibly humorous, and then uh, you just have talent relations dial them up and see if they can get them in. Um, I always love those kind of surprises. Uh, sometimes you'll 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 have a receptive audience from. From the chairman, etc. Sometimes he'll he'll bark and say, "God damn, you know, it's, it's about our stars, not the stars of yesteryear or guys that, that maybe our fan base today doesn't know." And then there's sometimes some validity to it. It's just you have to balance the star power uh, and and the. The surprises and it has to it has to be the right balance. Too many, it's kind of funky. Uh, the wrong star coming out, it's like, oh, that's random. It, you just never know. And and they hopefully they have a purpose. And so, you know what I love about it too is guys like Goldust, they'll trigger a whole resurgence for their career, a revival for them just off of that kind of randomness. I think it's, I think it happened for a lot of guys over the last 10, 15 years where guys like Mr. Perfect weren't anticipated to come back. They were just a one-off and man, they got a big pop. They looked like a million bucks. Let's bring them to TV. And then TV turns into the next week and then they're offered a deal. So I like that. It's a wild card component. Uh, And sometimes you can bring in a veteran when you realize you you needed him and you you missed someone like that. And and that's something that I hope to see uh, with the rumble coming up.
0: How did ECW change things for you guys? Because after that, it wasn't like an even number of entrants from each brand. Like, right. it was really different. Uh, what, how, how did that affect things?
4: Um, you know, it, it was, it was everyone was trying to build up ECW and help support this uh, brand extension. And so whatever was require, required to make it successful, make it viable was important and the concern always within some circles within the creative team was the select, the selection of talent used in the rumble and also making sure that they not only held their own with the other brands, but if, if possible could be showcased and, and that, I mean, so often because there's this, Internal rivalry about brand superiority that Vince kind of likes to have within uh, the writers teams and you you have a SmackDown team, the Raw team and the ECW team is to have it be like they're competing. And so it can undercut the creative process. Uh, and so that sometimes was a challenge in, in making ECW stand out. You had other people that said, well, what does it do for my SmackDown guys? What does it do for my guys from Raw? Um, instead of it being a collaborative creative experience in a writer's room in L.A. where that's those kind of issues don't happen because these are all characters in this world that you want
0: to see go into different directions. Wrestling is a different – it's a hybrid. It's a totally different thing. I think my favorite moment from the 2007 Royal Rumble, which has since been edited out, was after a great colleague came in there and wrecked everybody's shit. Shawn Michaels had to lay there and say, look at the camera. <laughs> like if it was,
4: Live TV, it man. Was it's great. <laughs> well, I mean, look. I mean, think about the time when Vince came out in uh, – that was the build of 21. Yeah, when I was, was, was
0: going to ask you about that. Didn't You, you, you started that right was, after that, right?
4: yeah uh and it was a but I had heard all the stories, and it was very you know Stephanie freaking out backstage and Vince trying to will himself and his 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 quads to kick out of this injury and the shock of it, and it's live t v and he went out there to call an audible and now you had to call an audible on the audible, so it was like, oh my God, what do we do here um and those kind of moments, hey, that's live TV. That's that's the splendor of it all. I guess it's hard to it's it's hard to call an audible when you're in a situation like this. And uh, TV, like sometimes TV can go by very quickly. Other times it can go by very slowly. Those are one of those moments. It's like just time stopped. And uh, backstage, you're not only dealing with the aftermath of the funky finish. You got Vince being stretchered out. That's uh it was a weird thing. And then, you know, Vince uh really doesn't like to put himself out there looking weak. So it's like he kind of became reclusive until he was up to a point where he could um be mobile. So you had Vince like kind of um you had the voice of Vince McMahon on a speakerphone, but you didn't see him for a while. Uh which speaks to this kind of image he's always had, this strong guy that's larger than life, everything about him is very much by design, and if he doesn't look strong and if he doesn't look 100 uh, percent, you know, he he doesn't want any other image of him looking weaker like in a wheelchair out there.
0: Yeah, I had some questions about the 05 Rumble and mainly some of the – just the entrance in it because I know you started right afterwards. Right. Daniel Pewter got lit up something proper. Yeah were mm-hmm. there were there any like ideas or plans for him that you had heard of at that point because he was kind of just brought up for, as a reward for running tough enough and he didn't last but uh Holly Guerrero and I think I can't remember who else uh they they uh and Benoit, they mm-hmm. took care of him uh yeah. pretty decisively
4: yeah um
0: it it was a different time in
4: in WWE and their locker room culture was so different than it is today versus even on the indies that was that was a different time and and how they treated young talent that they felt maybe shouldn't have be getting a certain push and shouldn't be being, being paid at a certain price and the whole Kurt Angles thing uh and and so the, there was a real old school undercurrent to the SmackDown locker room. You had the, uh, the whole kangaroo court deal. You had just a lot of um, etiquette and challenge issues that would come up with the younger guys, and it was baptism by fire. You know, These kids don't know that this is a certain process, and they don't know that talent, uh, the, the, the veterans expect certain things because they're not being smartened up to it. Uh, so it was a really tough time for that, that I'm, let's put it this way. I'm I'm very glad that that's not the culture today. It and it and and it's not like people didn't see it as as concerning at the time. But it's nice to see it's evolved into something I think a bit more professional, a little uh, more conductive. And 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 it's just it was it was it was a the whole time to- that whole period of time was rough. I mean, there were guys that would just be. Uh, dressed down and humiliated by guys like Chris Benoit and you know it it was I don't think it really helped anyone's cause I don't think it really helped the talent in any way I think it demoralized talent
0: speaking of there's Guy Muhammad Hassan he was factored into this match and eliminated by the entire field but before that he attacked uh, Scotty Tuhadi what do you think goes into like Okay, we're going to put this guy in the Rumble and Scotty Tuhati, but he's not going to make it to the ring. I don't think he ever made it to the ring for a Royal Rumble. I think he got attacked before like two or three of them.
4: Yeah, it, sometimes stuff like that becomes like a um, a running gag, and sometimes it actually is funny, and other times it's just like, wow, we're really t- diminishing this talent by doing this thing, and it's become his thing now. That's Curtis like, Axel
0: got a nice run out of it. Yeah,
4: it, it all depends. It all depends on the year. Um, there are guys that can turn something like that, and and look, Santino is a great example yeah. of a guy that you know might have been a ga- you know ripping on the square, but he was able to convert that and honestly, totally changed directions from being like a shooter and 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 underdog uh, fighting from underneath. Uh, into a really popular comedy character it's just how you embrace uh, look dusty roads polka dots it's how you embrace something and can convert it into being money i mean people might even say that gold dust could be a, an example of that and making something that could be seen as um, devaluing you and turning it into a real positive uh, for your career
0: as i look at the smackdown mid card at this point it's like Hardcore Holly, who might be the best out of out of all these guys: Kenzo Suzuki, Luther Reigns, Orlando Jordan, Scotty Tuhati, Charlie Haas, Rene Dupree, Mark Jindrak, who had quite a bit of an up, upside, Paul London. That seems like a challenge.
4: Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's a it's a funky when you look at the Rumble. And, and the talent you have year to year and the depth issues you have. Uh, and, and guys like Paul London, who I think could have been so much more in WWE, but various things got in the way from allowing that. Uh, it's 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 interesting when you look at each year's Royal Rumble and how talent is presented and what the year holds for them in the aftermath of the Rumble. Because the Rumble kind of is, like I said, the big bang for, for uh, WWE. And you see how guys are slotted going into the new year uh, and what's their career trajectory uh, going out of that year. Guys like Paul London in 2006 is a great example. Where was he by the end of 2006? And Soon thereafter, out
0: of the country. Court Bauer was one of the first interviews that I conducted in speaking about the Royal Rumble, which is why you heard uh, Pat Patterson's name in present tense. Uh, he had not yet passed, and his name came up repeatedly when asking about who sets up the Royal Rumbles. Then it became... Michael Hayes. In more recent years, it's become the likes of Jamie Noble, Shane McMahon, and Michael Hayes on the men's side, although several participants on both the men's and women's side of recent Royal Rumbles have told me that they have heavy input in the match. What they do is they start off, sometimes they'll split it up into two, and then towards the end, those people will break off, the ones that are going to be in the match last, and they kind of decide and figure out what they're going to do in the Royal Rumble match towards the end. Not everybody sees the end of the Royal Rumble. Dr. Tom Pritchard, he's not best known for his 1995 appearance in the Royal Rumble. But he is known for his wrestling mind and his ability to train tons of wrestlers. I was able to speak to him about his thoughts on the Royal Rumble, his experience in it, among other things, you were in the ninety five Rumble, which was a lot different than a lot of other ones. I know that's I know you did some in Smoky Mountain some Battle Royals that were Royal Rumble style, but that ninety five one the intervals were much shorter it was like a thirty eight minute match. What do you remember about that match and it coming together i I just remember it was not
5: we certainly were not an integral part or a heavy part of that match at all but but you know you they're gonna try something and, and see if it works and I think that was part of just trying to keep uh, the pay-per-view down to a uh, a reasonable time and, sure. and, and try and give it uh, everybody and I a chance to get out there and have uh, have a lot of fun so um, you know, especially in this day and age with the house show business uh, being what it was even before all this shutdown happened. Uh, WWE knows how to innovate and knows how to uh, regroup and knows how to reinvent. I think I wouldn't even go, go that far. They, they reinvented the business before when pay-per-view was in its infancy. So uh, they, they've always tried new things, they held a cinematic yeah. look Things like that. So I think, uh, no matter what happens, there's always going to be something new and innovative uh, coming from them. It's just the way they operate. It's it's the it's the vibe. It it's the magic pixie dust they throw in the, the hallways as you walk down the down the hallways uh, that that causes everybody to just come alive and and uh, start thinking of things. And Hunter's Hunter's got a great mind, no doubt about it. Uh, he's got a lot of great people behind him, no doubt. So. They're always going to have something on the on the front burner as well as the back burner,
0: just just to be ready. Was Pat Patterson still putting those together at that time?
3: Yeah,
5: sure was. We were all in the room when when Pat and uh, oh, I think it was Pat. And I'm trying to remember who else was there at that time, Bruce. Uh, but but as far as putting it together, mainly it was Pat.
0: Man, that's it's always interesting to see how one of those come together because it's so many moving parts and you got to be out in this order and in that order. And it's meticulously planned, but then it, it, you only hear about of maybe three or four errors that happened over 30 some years, which is remarkable.
5: Yeah. And, and, and even when they happen, you're, you're not, nobody else is aware of it except people (laughs) who made the errors, you know, which is, which is kind of cool. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things and a lot of elements that took place then that, that just are, are, obsolete now and and that's going to happen in every business every sport you know it, you have to uh, progress and evolve and and make it bigger and better
0: another person who hasn't exactly won royal rumbles but has more than enough royal rumble moments to go around is uh, former fightful podcaster shane helms he's doing some other stuff now some wwe production But he's had some very special moments in the Royal Rumble, including his return in 2018 after being away from the company for eight years. Uh, Shortly after that, I was able to speak to him about what went into that Royal Rumble and how it came about. Now, later in the show, you're going to hear a very extensive interview about all of his Royal Rumble appearances before that. But the most recent also led to a very special moment where he was able to reunite with Roman Reigns, who is the brother of his late tag team partner, Rosie. Take a look.
6: How did the Rumble thing unfold? Yeah. Um, me using social media. Uh, just, and, and two, not in a, uh, not actually in a. Um, I don't know. It wasn't a self-serving thing. It was just me being funny. You know, it happened... Uh, after uh, Enzo Amore got fired, so they didn't have a cruiserweight champion. So I put up this picture of me holding the WCW Cruiserweight title and the WWE Cruiserweight title. I was like, "Hey, I know a guy," and that, of course that kind of became one of my new catchphrases for the year. "I know a guy," and um, that picture went viral, you know, as as the silly stuff happens. And uh, you know, I got a call from WWE, and uh, you know they had thought about me in Rumbles previously, but I was either under contract or injured, and so I couldn't do it. But this time, uh, you know, just perfect timing. It was more of a perfect timing thing as well. Um, I popped in their head because of the picture. I happened to be free. I happened to be healthy. And there you go.
0: You were one of those guys who was familiar to fans of multiple generations, obviously, because you had been in WCW, you had been in WWE, and you had been on Impact as recently as last year, but hadn't returned to WWE prior, so you were pretty you were a prime name for one of those spots one of the surprise royal rumble spots your, your spot there was you know a favorite of, of a lot of people what, at what point do you find out hey you're getting in there and you're going to be working essentially with john cena in the royal rumble
6: uh probably about maybe 30 minutes before the actual rumble match started we were here you know we were here the entire time some of the some of the guys in the match didn't even know we were there and we going to be there and um you know, so about 30 minutes before the actual match, the pay-per-view had already started. Uh, they sneak us in the building. And, you know, and that was a cool moment, too, because I get to see the boys' reaction to me. You know, and they kind of lit up. You know, some of the guys lit up. And some of the produ- production people that I knew, you know, from being there nearly a decade before, you know, they knew me. And they were like, you know, oh, oh hurricane. Like, I I can't, can't. are you back? Are you back? Like, what I heard was, are you back for good? Are you back for good? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just here for the night. I, I don't know what this is going to lead to. And, um... You know, so, I mean, that that was, that was a super special moment on a personal level. You know, the fans didn't get to see that, but on a personal level, that that was very cool. Uh, you know, and then, um, you know, I talked about this a couple times, you know, the idea was me to get in there with Cena, uh, and there was going to be a couple other guys. It was like, think about who you could do something the best with. So, of course, I suggested Cena.
7: Yeah, <laughs> why not? You know?
6: Well, because it was kind of a, you know, it was a play off my uh, Rumble experience, uh, not Rumble experience, but Rumble moment with Austin and, and Triple H, you yeah. know, and they were the two biggest guys in the industry at the time, you know, uh, along with Rock. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But they're two at the very, very top. And uh, and I was like, well, if I'm gonna be in there, that's what I would do, you know. And Cena at, at first was actually kind of, oh, I don't want to be the one to throw you out. And I was like, dude, you know, I said, whether I'm King Kong or not, I think I am. Yeah. I, I'm, go- I got to go after Godzilla. And he started laughing. And I knew I kind of had him right there. And two, this is how cool Cena was. If he would have said no, that spot doesn't happen like that. Yeah. You know, they wanted me to, you know, like I say, it's going to be quick, in and out, reenact. Uh, you know, like I said, the, the the spot that I did uh, in Atlanta, and um, but if Cena says no, it doesn't happen. But that's how cool he was, and he was laughing, and you know, and I was like, yeah, and I, I mean, I didn't go through everything I would do because you know, I said I'll hurricane it up, you know, and you be you, and and we'll and we'll be good. And, you know, it just worked out perfectly. And that that pop was, was ridiculous. And and to this day, when people come up and they still ask me about it, I do the same thing I did with the Atlanta Rumble. I'll ask them who won. And nine, time, nine times out of ten, they can't tell me who won the Rumble, but they remember my spot.
0: I would, I would go as far as to say that was one of the most fun Royal Rumble matches I've ever seen, period. Like from, from an execution yeah. standpoint, it was just a, a great Rumble to watch. How much had you worked with Cena in the past? Because I can't really remember any outside of some battle royal. That
6: was that was it. I think that's the first time we've ever touched. I mean, it could be a battle royal where we, uh, yeah, you know, where we got hands on each other or something. But I, I can't remember all of those. But uh, as far as just one on one, it just being us, that was the first time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I knew you all had been in a couple of royal rumbles, and then there was that. Um, there was the tag team championship battle royal where the Hardys won the tag titles that you all were in. But, you know, obviously no big interaction. So that was cool for me to see, especially for two guys who had been in the WWE for eight years together and had never touched. That does not happen. That just, Right. You, yeah. you, you never see that. So it's kind of cool to hear that Cena was like. I don't know if I want that heat, <laughs>
6: <laughs> but you know, that, like that I said, guy, he's, he's like, I don't it. want to be the guy to throw it, you know, because he's the good guy. Yeah, you know, he's the he's the ultimate baby face. Like, I don't want to throw it at the superhero. Then I, you know, when I explained it to him, you know, you can see him kind of grin and like, no, he got it, and that that's just cool, you know, because I mean, his position, he could have easily said no to anything, you know, and I would have had to accept that, and I would have been cool if he said no, I would figure something else out, but you know, that was me. Uh, I knew this was my moment. I was going to swing for the fences and and try to create the best out of it. You started to create the best out of an already cool situation.
0: Sure. Picture emerged of you two sharing a moment after the Royal Rumble. That had to be special for you, considering how close you were with his brother.
6: Yeah, you know, I mean, I got to talk to him. Uh, I went to a house show uh, after Rosie passed, and, you know, we we had a moment there, you know, and and we kind of, you know, were able to, you know, to express you know how, how I felt and condolences and, and that sort of thing so uh, but it was like nothing I wanted to get heavy into when somebody's got to go to work you know you don't want to go have this r- real conversation and then oh yeah by the way go out and risk your life in the ring here and you know, I don't want to bring him down too much but it was you know we said you know you know very positive things and very cool things and you know at the rumble it wasn't like we was having this really deep conversation or anything yeah. we were just talking you know two guys talking. But, but because of the history, you know, uh, of me with his brother, you know, it, it, it did add a little special meaning to that picture. It looks like we're, we're almost about to embrace, you know. It does. It, it does look like, you know. But, uh, I mean, he, that's just him being a good guy. You know, when you talk, he listens.
0: I, I don't you know, know I was, that any single photo out of that Royal Rumble got more attention than that one. I mean, it it was everywhere because of everything that had happened. And, and now, I mean, it was it is a touching photo. Yeah. Yeah, it is.
6: Man, because and too, like I said, when I see him, and I, I mean, I think that was my caption there. Every time I see Roman, I see I see Rosie, and I can't help it.
7: Yeah,
6: you know. Sure. And I, it's not like I, I see it and I get sad. I have a lot of, you know, ninety nine percent of my memories of Rosie are funny. Yeah. So I see him and I, I think about good things, you know. But then, you know, I see
0: him and I miss Rosie too. So Shane Hells will be quick to remind you later on in the show that superstars eliminate him. And one of those people that eliminated him has had a little bit more success, at least in finishing off the Royal Rumble match, Triple H. Now, he's got a much different role these days than he used to as an in-ring competitor, and we focused a little bit more on that in the brief time that I had to speak with him about the Royal Rumble. He's heading up NXT. NXT takes a lot of inspiration from nostalgia, from history, and from what's successful now, but he says that he doesn't necessarily want to do an NXT Rumble. But I also did ask him about the process of who from NXT gets to be in the Royal Rumble. Have you all ever considered doing uh, Royal Rumble as a, as a standalone NXT event? I mean, on the women's side last year, like there were more representatives from NXT than any brand. And if not, do you have any say in who it is that goes to the Royal Rumble from the NXT brand when it does happen?
8: Um, th- there's always conversations about that as, as the rumble gets closer every year, but I'm, I'm a big fan of having separation. Now that doesn't mean that's the sole answer, but I'm, I'm a big fan of having some separation where there's some uniqueness. You know, I, I love the fact that Ron Smackdown has survivor series. I love the fact that we have war games. It's different. You know, it, it just has a different vibe and a different feel. Um, I love the fact that the rumble, is is the big thing that leads you to mania. I, I think having those differences um, are great. And, and as you are building NXT up into its own brand more and more, um, a- having those differences be stark is great. I think when you have moments like the Rumble where they can all come together and have those moments, that's even cooler. So um, as that gets closer, I'm sure we'll have a lot of conversations about who we feel should be in there and who we feel uh you know, we want to give that opportunity to.
0: One of those peoples that they gave an opportunity to in 2020 was Shotzi Blackheart. She had a breakout 2020 year, and it was really led off by that appearance in Minute Maid Park. She tells me that she only learned that she would be in the Royal Rumble the day before. Other people that I spoke to within NXT said that they actually found out a few days before via the internal talent relations app but they didn't actually know if they'd be in the Royal Rumble until the night before. They went to what is usually a rehearsal, but there wasn't much rehearsing. They broke the match into two pieces and sort of walked through it. The people that weren't in the match that much were just told what they would do. The people that were in the match for a longer period of time would kind of walk through everything. But there were also people that were brought there that weren't in the Royal Rumble match at all. Kaylee Ray was a person that I heard was brought to rehearsals, but actually didn't end up making the Royal Rumble match. However, like I mentioned, Shotzi Blackheart did. She spoke to me about it. You, you were a part of that. How, how was that for you to be told you're in a Royal Rumble match? Who gives you the news and, and says, hey, by the way, you got signed a few months ago. You're in the Royal Rumble.
9: Ah, yeah. I mean, that was like a text message the night before. Hey, get on a plane. Um, you're going to Texas and then getting there and being like, all right, here's your number. And I'm like, what
0: in a baseball stadium (laughs) at that
9: in front of too many people.
0: (laughs) So how do you prepare mentally for that? How do you even like, do you get any sleep the night before?
9: No, no. I was <laughs> up in my hotel room just being like, is this real? What is my life? <laughs> I mean, is,
0: was that one of the types of matches? Cause I mean, I know that for someone your age, war games maybe wasn't around for a while when you were younger, but the Royal Rumble was there every single year. And as your career gets started, they kick off women's Royal Rumbles. I mean, like, did, did you have like visions of what you would do when you finally got into a match like that?
9: Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I <laughs> I really didn't even have time to think about it, but the Royal Rumble has always been my favorite pay-per-view. Like it has the most surprises, it's so much fun to watch, and like I was just ecstatic when girls got introduced finally. Um and to be a part of, you know, the beginning of that, oh, insane
0: <laughs> so when you're in a match like that obviously you're you're interacting with some people that maybe you don't get to run into every single day did you get any interesting feedback or any advice or any help from from anybody that you looked up to or maybe just that you just met
9: i mean i got some good forearms from beth phoenix and that was enough for me
0: <laughs> <laughs> and now she's calling your matches on wednesdays
9: i know it's wild she's like you know cheering me on and then you know beating me up it's great. <laughs>
0: Shotzi Blackheart was a surprise we saw at the Royal Rumble. Kaylee Ray clearly didn't work out. But there are surprises and plans and and swerves that get nixed all the time in the Royal Rumble. And in 2020, we actually saw one. The night before the Royal Rumble, images started to leak from outside of Minute Maid Park that showed MVP's Titantron. He would show up. He would be a surprise in the 2020 Rumble. And like Court Bauer mentioned earlier, he worked himself into a full-time deal. However, Victoria's Titantron played, but she had no idea that this was happening until social media blew up. She had never been contacted for the Royal Rumble, was never planned, and whether it was a swerve or they were just testing out something, Lisa Marie Varon walked us through what would have been her first WWE appearance in over a decade. I know you had to have seen this because I saw it a million times WWE was testing out Titan Trons at the Royal Rumble and apparently your name popped up on there which led everybody to go Victoria's in the Royal Rumble were you supposed to be in the Royal Rumble?
10: I I found that out from social media as well I was like what? (laughs) I go maybe my my Titan had a lot of coloring I don't know but um, maybe they did that to throw people off yeah I don't know because, you know, like it's hard to keep a secret in wrestling. You know, something it always leaves, you know what I mean? And which is a shame, you know, I it's,
0: would. It's not would a shame. Watch, that, that's what I rely on.
10: You do? I think, I don't like to know what the finish is and stuff like that. I'm like, don't well, spoil it. Don't spoil it. I like surprises.
0: Yeah, we don't do that as much as much as I'll take the temperature of a situation. Like I'll talk to people yeah. in WWE and say, how did you feel about this that happened or this that happened? That's more what we rely on because to me. Things change so much that if I report that something's gonna happen and then it doesn't happen, I don't have any credibility.
10: Yeah, okay, I get you, I get it, I get it. Oh my gosh,
0: yeah, you're giving false news. Yeah, exactly.
10: So, you were not
0: supposed to be in the Royal Rumble, (laughs) I was on the Jericho cruise. You, You were, weren't you? Yeah, I
10: was in Miami, um, and I was, um. I was trying to stay off my phone because, you know, I was on, I wanted to, I wanted in the moment, I was visiting family and I, I'm like, you know, we're always blue for our phones. Yeah. So uh, I went back and I missed a ton of e- uh, emails, text messages, everything. And um, I was like, what? They must be testing out their coloring on their Titron because my, my picture came up there. But I was um, already on the Jericho, I mean, in Miami. Yeah. The following day, I was going to go on the Jericho cruise, you know, so I could my way. Yeah, yeah
0: I actually, I remember that the Jericho cruise wrapped up like around a, the day before or something, because I remember people bringing that up, and they're like, oh, well, the Jericho cruise just docked or something like that, so maybe she made it over to Houston or something like that, but did did you ever talk to anybody within the company, like, hey, what the hell was up with that?
10: I, no, no, not in the company, no, uh-uh. just on social media, just going, oh, you know, I, I didn't respond because I don't want to, uh, I, I don't know what to say. You know, because yeah. I, don't, I don't know no. the vaccine because I'm not part of the company anymore, so yeah. I couldn't tell you why they were yeah. testing it out, you know.
0: but Commentary isn't the only aspect of production, obviously, and it's not always as smooth as WWE would like. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with 2016 when AJ Styles debuted after years, over 15 years outside of WWE, working all around the world, and production missed him walking out. They missed the Titantron. Instead, they were focused in on Roman Reigns' face and reaction. As a result, WWE had to release unseen footage of AJ Styles' Royal Rumble entrance. Uh, I spoke with a production employee who said that this caused major issues. There was a lot of heat surrounding this. And then the situation repeated itself four years later when Edge showed up. WWE's obsession with camera cuts caused the company to miss Edge's first spear in an actual match in a decade. And again, we saw the unseen footage of Edge's Royal Rumble return. So it doesn't always go so smooth. It didn't go so smooth for Duke the Dumpster Drosy either. Now, this may be one out of left field that you think, well, what, what does he know about the Royal Rumble? Well, Duke the Dumpster Drossy was a part of the 1996 Royal Rumble, where he actually beat Triple H in a match on the free-for-all, where the loser got the number one entry, number 30 went to the winner, which was Duke the Dumpster Drossy. However, 1996 was also the year that a fresh Steve Austin, then known as the Ringmaster, accidentally got eliminated well before his time. I talked to Duke the Dumpster Drossy about his experience. Yeah, you wrestled uh, Triple H on the free-for-all, '96 Rumble, and I love the stakes for that. Winner enters 30th, loser enters first. Uh, You would work with him, at least on the the house show circuit, for months and months after that. I know that you all even had a dark cage match, which I want to talk a little bit about. But uh, what was that like being told, hey, you're going to be on the free-for-all, which was used to sell... That Royal Rumble show, which is a major thing for WWF.
11: Um, Yes. At the time, I was ecstatic about it. I was like, because it wasn't just a free-for-all. It was, we're going to set up this angle, and you're going to go on to another pay-per-view with him. I was like, finally, I get to do a, a pay-per-view singles match. It's not just the Royal Rumble for once. Um, but... You know it's it, it, it was just kind of weird the way it went about but yeah we wrestled in a lot of house shows and we kind of went back and forth you know winning and losing against each other and we were trying a lot of different things and it was always fun to work with with uh paul because he was always willing to do anything he, i mean he busted his ass for me I, he flew all over the place because i threw him all over the place and <laughs> he never complained he never complained once he took all the bumps and um you know I gotta say, he was—he was—he was a champ in that respect. He took them bumps, that's for sure, because Duke threw his ass all over the place. So.
0: Yeah, and uh, you're not a small man, needless to say, and he's not either. He's a really big dude, and I think that, like, at, at that time, I was just like, I, I had no concept of how big pro wrestlers were, because I was seeing you two fairly close in size. I, you know, I didn't realize you're both gigantic people tossing each other around the ring. And like you said, he's bumping everywhere. Like yeah. take it, taking the trash compactor and all that stuff. Like, like that's that power that slams, press
11: slams, spine busters, everything. He
0: took it all. <laughs> so you all go to the Royal rumble and you've been in a couple Royal rumbles. Uh, how exactly are those laid out? Who, who goes and, and tells you this is when you're in, this is when you're out and kind of lays all that stuff out for you. Pat Patterson.
11: Pat Patterson sets those up. He sits everybody down. Usually it's in the catering area and he'll have like a big white dry erase board and he'll give everybody the, the order that you're going out to the ring. Then he will tell you when he will say, okay, you then you go out of the ring after you see this wrestler go out and he, and he tells you who's going to throw you out of the ring. That's basically how it works. It's like what number you go to the ring and then basically what number you go out because you watch to see and you go after a certain person. And um, you may make sure the right person also uh, that throws you out of the ring. And, and that's how it works. And then the rest of it is just a big old mishmash in the ring <laughs> and
0: people goofing off and making each other laugh basically is what it is and ribbing each other. So I know that they had Diesel and Kama eliminate you pretty quickly in 96. Were you out there when Steve Austin accidentally got eliminated? Was that around the same time? Because he's mentioned that a few times. Like He was supposed to be in the Final Four, but it it got messy, and he had to look up at Sean and be like, Hey, I'm out, buddy. (laughs) We can't do it. I
11: don't remember. I mean, I kind of remember that happening, but I don't remember what year was that? That was 96. Oh, so that was the year I got, oh, yeah. That was the year you yeah, got I remember there was yeah. Yeah, there was some, you know what, though? The, the funny thing about stuff like that in the wrestling business is the boys in the back are very skeptical. We're like, all right. Was that a work or was that a shoot? <laughs> so we always, <laughs> we're always very skeptical, so we were unsure. And I think that was the approach that the boys, that was the attitude that the boys in the back had about it. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're trying to work us and the fans, but um, yeah, I do vaguely remember that
0: happening. Um, I, I didn't I didn't remember that he went out out of order though. Yeah, and uh, the year before you spent a little bit more time in there. They probably don't have it down to like a second. It's probably just a general general time that, that you're in there.
11: Yeah, and some people take longer to go out before you than they're supposed to. It's like <laughs> you'll be sitting there, and you know. Like, you are you gotta get out of there before a certain number of people are in the ring or they're gonna start setting up spots with the last four people. But the guy that's supposed to go out before you is still just lollygagging around for more airtime and he's not going out yet or taking his time. So, you know, you just kind of, people start yelling at each other, get out, get out.
0: When I sought out to get more information about the Royal Rumble, I didn't just want to hear about the big moments. I didn't just want to hear about the winners or accidents or anything like that. I wanted to find out how the Royal Rumble worked. And when you find out how the Royal Rumble worked, you have to find people that were involved in a variety of roles. Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger, was a part of several Royal Rumbles, and he straight up told me he didn't like them. He didn't want to be a part of them. They were very hard. They were very dangerous to work, but they also helped him learn how to work matches that would end up being bigger battle Royals in the future. But also he said there's a unique pay structure associated with it. And the shortest amount of time that he spent in the Royal Rumble ended up being the most he got paid.
12: Um, you know, there's, um, depending on who you're in there with, you, uh, which as it is with anything, you'll have levels of creativity and you'll have levels of restriction. Uh, Definitely not one of my favorite matches uh, just because the way they did it at the Fed, there was like a group of three or four guys who decide the whole storyline throughout the thing. And then, you know, you would try to implement your stuff on it to make it fit to your storyline type deal. And it, You know, it can be easy, or it can be difficult. Uh, The time I was in there, the shortest, where uh, Lesnar just threw me out. I really think that was my favorite, because (laughs) that was the most I got paid for a Royal Rumble. Really? the
0: shortest time. Yeah. Why why do you think that was? Do you think there was any specific reason? Because I know they used to do it based on buy rates, or whatever that may be. But I know that that also changed a lot after the network was instituted. Yeah, but...
12: yeah they started lying to us after they instituted the network uh who knows how they how they decided to pay us but for some reason that was that was a good payday for me and it was literally seven seconds it was like duck a clothesline f5 see ya.
0: <laughs> man and, and you ended up working go ahead sorry
12: oh, i was gonna say mike kyoto came running over
0: to me and he was so upset he was like Wags, what was
12: that I just turned on my own. I just got paid Kiki what do you want
0: And you worked a match very similar to that In the Casino Battle Royal at All Out Which is very similar and I love The change they made to where they brought them out One by one even in the groups Because I thought for production it made a lot more sense Did, did your experience In the Royal Rumble or anything Kind of prepare you for that or is this a completely different beast that,
12: That's definitely a different beast You know they say every pro wrestling match is
0: different, and every
12: gimmick match is definitely different. Um, So that was a little bit different. But being in the Royal Rumbles definitely helped me prepare with that, and like Mm -hmm. helped the other people uh, set their stuff up. And you really have to like you're limited because there's people in the ring. You want to like do some cool stuff and make an entrance, but you have people in the ring, so you got to be careful of ankles, the about throwing people and. And like hiding in the corner so they can have the spotlight. So there's a lot of little things that go into it. The main thing is, I feel like, is you, can't, you don't want to do too much. You don't want to do too You don't want to get too much stuff in. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was proud of what Sonny and I did because it made a big shock and it was made a big splash. And it was just something as easy as him turning it around on me and throwing me out. And I, I was like, that's all it
0: needs to be. Kevin Owens has been an integral name in WWE for the last several years, but doesn't necessarily have those big Royal Rumble moments. But he's not short on thoughts on the Royal Rumble. Uh, He is a part of a newer era where things have changed and you see some of the newer producers collaborate with guys like Michael Hayes in order to put their own spin on a match that's been around for over 30 years. And when you've been around for over 30 years, you have to innovate. Just like Tom Pritchard said earlier, you're always looking for the next thing. You're always looking for the new thing. 2020 saw a lot of new match types. Across AEW and WWE, from Stadium Stampede to Fight Pit, I Quit in Hell in a Cell, there are matches all over the place now, and it's the most innovative year that we saw in wrestling match types in over a decade and a half. Royal Rumble is trustworthy, but Kevin Owens thinks that they could make a little bit of a change. Were you you a big Royal Rumble fan? yeah
13: of course uh it's one you know it's one of the most exciting pay-per-views for everyone i think everybody would agree uh you know there's something about the a, a 10 count and then something happening that's just you know whatever whatever it's uh in whatever setting it is people always love that so uh that i was no different with the royal rumble um and yeah i love being in those matches uh and like you said i've only gotten to do it a few times because you know in other shows either uh, i was having a singles match or uh, one of them I I was actually out for. I I was injured at the time, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I really love the Royal rumble and it's, it's always an exciting time because when it comes around to, you know, WrestleMania is around the corner as well. So it's kind of like the first, uh, first step to, to, to the, our, our big season, if you want to call it that, even though we don't have an off season, so it's really a big season all year round.
0: There's an overwhelming sense of optimism around that event. Like everybody's like anything can happen. You never know what might change what what did you see change from the first one you were in in like 2016 to like the most recent one because i mean we, we, you went from arena to stadium but how have things changed in how they were like made or produced
13: um i don't think so honestly it's it's just uh it's so many people to contend with and so many stories to tell at one point at one time so there's no way it won't be chaotic yeah. it always is chaotic but it always turns out uh, to be pretty exciting and pretty memorable. Uh, and I, you know, to me, I think that's always how it's going to be the process because you got 30 guys in one match and you have so many things to accomplish. Um, you know, I kind of wish we, they they had done the 40 man Royal rumble one year, which I really liked. I kind of wish we'd, we'd go back to that. Uh, I think the more people involved, the better. And, uh, longer that matches, the more fun it is to me. So, uh, if I were to pick any changes to make, I would just add more people, but, uh, yeah, it's really cool.
0: The first person that I spoke to for the inside, the Royal Rumble feature, when it was a concept was actually Shane Helms in 2016. When we had a podcast, we were moving to more uh, subject based content. And I was just so excited to talk about the Royal Rumble. I didn't want to wait till January. So we did it in December, 2016. This is the most extensive, but he goes through so much. The Triple H, Stone Cold, Steve Austin elimination. The 2004 appearance where he jumps in, does a quick move to Matt Hardy, gets eliminated by Matt Morgan. We also go through his individual elimination, setting it up, and that 2005 spot where Daniel Pewter got his ass kicked. But who was out after Daniel Pewter? That was Shane Helms. And he caught some residual ass whipping. I encourage you guys, make sure that you you listen to, to what he says. He is a wealth of knowledge, especially about Royal Rumbles, as he has truly maximized his minutes in the ring. The 2002 Royal Rumble, I will say, it didn't last too long, but you had a moment that people still talk about today, is still shown today, and really is, I thought that was a very good rumble. And... <laughs> It was the perfect thing for your character. It was really cool. You come in. You got a good reaction from the crowd. <laughs> you stalk Triple H and Steve Austin, who are there. You do the goozle. You're about to choke slam them. And they look at you like you are the dumbest <laughs> son of a bitch in the world. And they heave you. And, of course, it sets up all the puns. They got the, look at him fly. Of course he's flying. He's got a cape what was that experience like for you and how did you go about setting that up who who came up with that spot
6: oh that was 100 me everything in in that ring i mean it, short as it was that was that was all my idea um you know pat patterson helps book the rumbles and that was the bushwhacker spot you know you always got somebody coming in they're gonna get out quick you know so uh that came to be known as the bushwhacker spot after I can't remember which one did it first. It might have been Luka Butch. But, well, it had to be Luka Butch, but um,
0: imagine that. Yeah, he um, came in and he walked, and then he he walked in the ring, got tossed out, and kept walking.
6: Never stopped. Yeah, so, uh, so this was going to be something similar. Uh, but I didn't have no time frame. I wasn't given a time frame. All I knew was that it was going to be Austin and Triple H in the ring. And this was, and Triple H was the one who came out before me. Okay, so now, you, now to dive into the inside of a performer's mind a pro wrestler, so, okay, this is going to be Triple H's return, too. The return from the quad injury, I think. Yeah. And so we know, or at least I know and predict, he's going to get this massive reaction. And so when you're the person following a massive reaction, and I hadn't really popped as the hurricane yet. I'm still in the face paint. You know, I'm getting giggles and stuff like that, and it's working, and I know it's working, but, you know, obviously I popped a little bit better after that, so – this is still in the building phases of what that her, what this character can be. Uh so I know it's like, man, I'm following this great big pop because you rather follow, you'd rather follow like some shitty pop. That way yours by comparison is gonna seem better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh so oh man, following the big pop, you know, it's like, okay, well, whatever. Now I know I'm gonna be in there with the two top guys, <laughs> you know, the two top guys, you know, <laughs> in the company. So not not just not just any two. D2. The D2. Two. The two. Yes. Okay, well, now well, well, I got to figure something out here. So I came up with that idea. Now, also keep in mind that I'm still a new guy in the company. You know, still fresh face. You know what I mean? So, and you got to be tricky or you got to be, you know, uh, tactful when you're going up suggesting spots with the top two guys in the company with your monkey ass, you know, in a <laughs> You know, I'm still a new kid. I'm still a new face there. So you got to be tactful about that. But I knew it was a good idea. And so, I talked to Kurt quite a bit. Kurt Angle was the first one I went to, you know, because I had an amateur background. No one near as extensive as he is, but we had that in common. I would, you know, just, he's a cool guy, and he was someone I went to. Told him the idea, and he, you know, he popped huge. It's like, yeah, that's great, you know. uh, Go go tell Steve. Like, I I think in my mind I wanted him to just (laughs) offer to go tell Steve for me or suggest it for me. But, you know, of course he did. Yeah, go tell Steve. I'm like, it, okay. So I go to Austin. And Austin goes, um, you know, I sit there, tell him." Austin, <laughs> big pop from him. Yeah, he goes, "Yeah, go run it by Pat." I'm like, damn. So now I got to go tell Pat.
0: <laughs> you're trying so to be I'm the kid the who's like, you're trying to be the kid who's like, "Can I stay over?" No, you asked.
6: Yeah, you know. And uh, so then I go to Pat Patterson you know, and I run it by him
7: oh my god i love
6: it crowd go banana <laughs> i'm like damn so now i got to go tell triple h too and so so i go and run it for the fourth time like yeah here's the idea i want to see what you think Say, oh that's great he said that's great that's that's perfect and i said but that was like that's over the course of like two hours because everybody was always busy when i went to them you know like they were never just free so I, it was all this Anguish, cause you don't want. one gotta go. Who the fuck do you think you are? Suggesting such yeah. a thing to me. You know what I mean. You don't want to come off like that. You know what I mean, and people like me anyway. So, um, so anyway, when it worked, all I remember was being at the curtain, and I was just like, "Please pop," you know, when they play my music, yeah. <laughs> cause you got Austin and Triple H in there going at it. I was just like, "Please, please like me." <laughs> so, so what was gotta, Vince's
0: reaction? What was Vince's reaction to the spot after it happened? Like, how did he think it was executed?
6: I came to the back, got the big thumbs up, but even better. The next day, uh they were watching it in catering. And Vince isn't always in catering. You know, a lot of times he eats his meal in his office. And he happened to be in there and was watching and that spot unfolded again and he just go, ha, 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 "Now that's good shit." I, but I tell you what I said when I came through the curtain, when I came through the curtain, I just looked right at him and said, "I almost had those motherfuckers." <laughs> Got, uh, so, uh, that was perfect for your so
14: character.
6: Been a good spot for anybody, you know. But like with my character, the, you know, the fact that I'm going for the choke slam and I'm gonna get them, and then they're like, and you can see Austin is all into it for a second. He's like, ah, and he's like, what the fuck, you know? Uh, just mm-hmm. perfect, perfect for them. They, those guys, they, they made it. Their reactions made it. So, um, you know, respect to them for being professionals and letting a silly ass kid like me, you know, uh,
0: call the shots there. What was your reaction to being told that you would be in your first Royal Rumble?
6: Oh, I was super excited, man. Everybody wants to be in that one. I mean, with the Rumble now, I mean, when it started, it was just that match. That pay-per-view was just about that match, you know, Uh, as it grew to other, like, important matches there. So if you weren't in it, at least you were going to be, you know, maybe in an important match. Uh, What you don't want to be is in either. (laughs) You know, you don't want to be left on the sidelines. So um, I was always excited to be in those matches just because I knew – especially like when you did the brand split, there were certain guys we were never going to be in the ring with again. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they kept that brand uh, split really, uh, they really stuck with it there back in those days. And so, uh, and the Rumble was the only time you're going to be able to get with guys. That's the beauty of some battle Royals, you know, because there might be some guys you, you're never going to lock up with. You know, I, that's the only place I ever got to lock up with yeah. uh, Eddie Guerrero. So um, that that's the beauty of those matches.
0: Who tells you, like, in in that first match, like, are you told, hey, you're going to be entering here? We got to get you the hell out soon. Is that when you start, like, maybe the wheels in motion saying, okay, I'll do this thing, the double choke slam? Or were you just told you'll be in the Rumble and then you decide, hey, this will be a way to get me out quick?
6: Well, we knew the story was going to be Austin and Hunter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got triple H and two, you got to, I mean, I was very realistic about what my role was in the company, especially at that point, you know, there was a whole, there's a big backstory on why I went along with that hurricane character. I mean, that was never what I wanted to be growing up was a superhero, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to be a superhero because I was a comic book fan, but I never thought I'd be wearing a cape and a mask and a ring. Um, okay. You know, this is, this is, this rumbles about Hunter and Austin, you know? That's what this is about, and I'm a little bit player in here. But how can I make the most out of the scene that I'm in? And that's that's what it was about. How can I make the most out of that? And you know, you you better get creative in that, cause you know, if you only got a if you only got a short moment, you better make that count. Like if you got if you're gonna be in, in the rumble for a long time, you can go in there and dick around some, and you know, you can have time to do a little bit of mo- some good spot here and a good spot here. But if you only got a short moment, it better count for something, you know.
0: So you weren't in the 2003 Royal Rumble, and you weren't in a match on there. Now I, I looked at this and I saw like Spike Dudley fa- I, I saw Spike Dudley had faced Steven Richards, and you had had like a little short, very brief like TV program with Steven Richards. You had faced him the Monday before, you faced him the night after. Were you given a reason why you were left off the show or anything like that?
6: Now, you know, I mean, sometimes there's never a reason, you know, it. and sometimes it is that if they put you in a spot and they don't want to beat you. So sometimes it's actually a good reason. You don't want that because that don't help your paycheck at all. You always want to be on the show, but sometimes like, oh, right, well, we can't beat him. And so we just you know, put somebody else in there or, you know, whatever the case, there could be a lot of good reasons. There was never anything bad. I was never like fucking up or anything. So but if they if they weren't doing anything like super solid with me at the time, you uh, know.
0: Was that discouraging was, to you?
6: Uh, yeah, probably a little bit, you know. You always – I mean, everybody wants to be in the mix, you know. So anytime you're not, of course, it's a little bit. But you got to look at the at the, uh, the reasoning why, and you know.
0: You were in the mix in 2004. You got your first offense, real offense in a Royal Rumble match against Matt Hardy. A flying body press, beautiful. Then Matt Morgan, who looked bigger that. than ever. Oh, yeah. Bigger, he was no selling some of your punches, then you poked him in the eye. He caught you off the ropes and he dumped you out nineteen seconds. Now the real story in this, you held your leg when you fell out. That that looked nasty. That fall, did you get hurt on that?
6: No, not at all. But I knew that it was a weird landing, and so mm-hmm. I uh, started really overselling my knee, and I uh, got to the back and like it was uh, evidently it was so good they had the trainers all lined up to come and uh, check me out. They thought I blew my knee completely out. But I was good.
0: Oh, yeah. I, th- I thought I thought your knee was gone there. I remember watching it live. I saw that. And I think John Cena's elimination, I was like, they lost two guys. Their their knees are both blown out. But uh, – I
6: sold you a ticket, kid. That's what happened now. You
0: did. Absolutely. Uh, you came in and you hit that body press on Matt Hardy. Is that something you all go over before or do you just see Matt oh, there yeah. and no, you're like no, – no.
6: no, you're not going to go and do a damn <laughs> body, pa- body press into do a rumble without I- – having have you know when something's coming now nah, so that again having a short short moment you know you got to make it count you got to do something big um and two like i wanted to do something they wanted to do something with morgan and uh this one was specifically they wanted to get me out pretty quick because the bodies were maybe they were getting a lot of people but yeah. it wasn't nothing like uh i mean one of those where i'm not winning so why you know, i don't get paid by the hour let's get in and get yeah out.
0: Well, I mean, they had Matt Morgan come in there out of like a House of Fire, and then, then he literally wasn't on TV for like a year yeah. after that, which was kind of weird. But he didn't necessarily he
6: didn't... take care of me on that uh, spot.
0: <laughs> it would it look was nasty. Like, yeah. yeah,
6: he's a strong, he's a strong bastard, man. You know.
0: Also, a fellow fellow uh, wrestling podcaster, although our show is much better than his. Uh two thousand five. This was an interesting show. You got, a, you got an interesting reaction here because this was right after Hardcore Holly, Chris Benoit, and Eddie Guerrero had beaten the living shit out of Daniel Pewter. Before we went on the air, I showed you a still frame of Daniel Pewter taking a back suplex. He did it with his arms out like this, his head back like this, and his legs spread like he was the last girl at the bar trying to find somebody. Luckily, he saved his own neck. Did you know that they were going to beat the living shit out of him before they got there? I asked you because apparently they were in the mood to keep it going because they chopped the living shit out of you as well. Yeah,
6: I remember them chopping the shit out of a pewter, and I was like, oh, I remember thinking, I'm going to get some of this when I get in (laughs) there. I don't know if – I mean, I didn't talk to them about uh, chopping the shit out of me, and I didn't know that they were going to chop the shit out of pewter. Uh, Peter, for some reason was one of those guys that was getting a little bit of uh, heat in the back, but I don't think for anything. Uh, I don't think he meant to, or for, like doing anything really malicious. Uh, just that's how, that's how that locker room happens sometimes. I remember they were beating the shit out of him though, know, and I remember when they got me in the corner, Eddie chopped me and hit me right in the lips.
0: Yeah,
15: and uh,
6: that whole spot uh, came together in the in the in the ring. We didn't call uh, how how I got eliminated at all. I, I tried to talk to Eddie during the day and he had a lot going on. Uh, and he just, you know, he kept kind of like brushing me off a little bit. Uh, not, not mean, you know, just, he was really busy. And again, this is one of those times I knew I was only going to be in there for a little bit. So I wanted to make it count, you know? And, uh, but, uh, Benoit was a buddy, you know, so I went talk talked to him. I was like, yeah, man, Eddie's kind of, uh, he don't seem like in a good mood. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, he, he gets like that. And, um, but when, it, when we got in there and we started bumping around and doing our thing, there was a moment when this was the perfect moment to get me out of there. Like, I felt it. They felt it. So without saying anything, three minds came together, and it worked out the way we needed it to.
0: Yeah, you're officially credited as being eliminated by both of them. Benoit whipped you into Eddie, who tossed you over. You hit a blockbuster out of the corner before that, so got a little offense as well. When you're eliminated that early in the I- match, do you go watch the rest of it, or do you just kind of fuck off for the rest of the night?
6: First of all, when I did that move, it's called the Overcast. So okay. research your shit, Mr. Sapp. Um,
0: but, you mean uh, to tell yeah, me that's well, not the buff blockbuster? I stole that shit. Took it. And Man. I would make
6: people kick out on one.
0: With a um, frozen bottle of water, you took that shit. What's it frozen? Don't listen to his bullshit. A little plastic bottle of water. You treated him like Debo. You're like, my move, punk. Yep. <laughs> um, so what was the question? I don't even remember. But once again, uh, you
6: notice it took two of the you know, biggest superstars in WWE to eliminate me. I mean, look at the people it takes. Triple H, Austin. Then you got Mac Morgan's gigantic blueprint ass. Then you got Benoit and Eddie. I'm just saying, okay, I noticed the it, pattern here.
0: Well, we're getting to another big name here in a little bit, too. Uh, after you're eliminated that early, do you go back, watch the rest of the match, or do you just fuck off? Like, what's, what's the process after? Because that was pretty early in the match.
6: Now you go back and watch it. I mean, I'm I've never stopped being a fan. I want to watch it uh, too, and it's it's a damn process getting all that shit gear I wear. I mean, all that stuff I wear. So it's a process getting all that stuff off right away. I think you, normally I go and try to wash my face real quick and get that makeup off because it burns my eyes. But um, I try to watch as much, especially that that Rumble.
0: Well, especially that Rumble. It had an interesting finish, and a lot of people like they wonder if that finish was supposed to happen, if it was planned. Well, WDB says even today on their true story, the Royal rumble uh, that wasn't planned, but you couldn't no, have planned know. those two hitting at the same time. Any better. John Cena. Perfect. Yeah. It was amazing. Not- like, did you happen to see any of the reactions from anybody backstage when that happened? Because a few people had to know who was going to win and be like, ah, oh, shit, what's going on here?
6: We just saw the massive, like what the hell's going on? And uh, I was kind of, I had a monitor that was away from Gorilla, so I I got up and went down to Gorilla. Once I saw Vince walking there, for a while like, he walked oh, there. Yeah, yeah, for a while. And then once he uh hurt himself getting in the ring, then we we're like, then you know the tone took on a different, and we couldn't really tell what happened because I didn't see him get hurt. All I know was when I was trying to get to the Gorilla, then I saw him sitting uh sitting in the ring. I was going, what the fuck's going on here? And because uh, it was, I mean, obviously it looked fucking crazy, and then starting to realize that, oh man, he's hurt, you know. And nobody wants, I mean, no matter what, you know, we see one of, one of us is seriously injured. That changes the tone backstage, you know, and no matter what what the crowds, if they're reacting to it or not, once one of us is hurt, that changes the tone backstage. So uh, now we're worried, no longer worried about the finish of the match. We're worried about Vince at this point.
0: So he was he was away from TV for a little while after that. Like, had you been there and him not be present for a while? No, that's,
6: that's the first time. That was the first time he was ever not there because then he like tore his other leg coming back or something. Yeah. Like he uh, walking back because he refused to be helped was the story uh, that I was told. And then he ended up tearing, oh, tearing the other quad. So uh, that's a tough bastard man. Yeah. You know, that was the only time uh, that was the first time there that, uh, you know, there was events absent. But he was back as, as soon as he could, as soon as he could come back and, you know, be mobile, he
0: came back. What changes were made after that? Like in his absence? Who was running the show?
6: I mean, I mean, he still had his input. He just couldn't physically be there to, to do what he did. You know, I mean, uh, a lot of the preparation for the shows, well, most of the preparation for the shows happens in Stanford anyway. So I'm sure he was at the office and stuff like that. Or he would have the writers and creative come to his house, which he would do any, any, a lot anyway. So his input, input was still there. You know, just certain uh, last-minute decisions, uh, if they had to happen on the fly, probably went to Hunter, Stephanie, uh, you know, people in charge.
0: In this rumble, you had a little interaction with Sabu. Then you and Sabu tried to toss over Edge. Then uh, you worked with Edge a little bit, went around. Kane came in; he was the House of Fire. Ends up hitting you with a tilt side slam. Now, that's is that something like you know they do this a lot. Like they did it actually with Matt Morgan before you came into the match. But these guys will come in; they'll hit people with a bunch of stuff. Is it just the type of thing you make eye contact, you run at him type of deal? Because uh, there's no way you can really plan that, is there?
6: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of just feel the feel the groove there going on. Now keep that, in mind, that, I haven't, I didn't know we were really going to talk about the rumbles, and I haven't seen any of this shit in years. So I'm sitting there going, man, I don't yeah. remember this at all. <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> well,
0: of well, there, like I don't remember it. Do you remember that Tilt-A-World side slam you took? Because it looked like maybe now I'm I'm just hypothesizing here. It looked like once he got you up, you were maybe like Tombstone. And then he slammed you, and it was like, "Oh shit!" It no, nah, nah, nah. I
6: worked, I worked with uh, Kane quite a bit. You might not notice, Mister Sapp, but I'm pretty fucking
0: good.
7: Yeah. <laughs>
6: I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I was there for ten
0: years. I was, I was okay. Yeah. Eh. You end up getting tossed by Lamont Ernest Miller's old manager. Nobody important. Come on now. Actually, it was King, it was King. It was King. It was King Booker. It was King Booker. Another. Hall of Famer.
6: Dastardly King. I mean, I'm just saying, you might notice a pattern.
0: (laughs) Except for Matt Morgan. Uh, You missed the 08 Rumble and 09, you just weren't in it. 2010, you just just weren't in it. Uh, What were your feelings of being skipped over in the 2009-2010 Royal Rumble? That's
6: because I was on that ECW show and it fucking sucked. And I hated it.
0: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful here for Inside the Royal Rumble 2. If you've been a viewer of Fightful for a while, you may have remembered Inside the Royal Rumble, a feature that I did in early 2021 looking at my favorite match, the Royal Rumble. I'm a sucker for these matches. It appeals to my ADHD instincts even by giving us a new competitor every 90 seconds. It appeals to me as, as a fan of the variety aspect of pro wrestling, with comedy, with drama, with tension, with basic storytelling, and now we get two of them for every single Royal Rumble. Well, in early 2021, I did Inside the Royal Rumble where I spoke to countless wrestlers who had participated in the match. I was able to do that to an even more advanced degree this year for Inside the Royal Rumble 2. Now these aren't all encompassing histories of the Royal Rumble. Instead, it's a collection of stories, behind the scene details, memories and notes that you guys might find entertaining or fascinating. I want to thank NordVPN for bringing you this video and that feature for free. Go to NordVPN.com slash Fightful or use the code Fightful to save 70% and you get an additional month free you can stream movies that maybe aren't unlocked in your region you can avoid price discrimination browse the internet anonymously and it all amounts to about three bucks a month less than the price of a cup of coffee nordvpn.com slash fightful or use that code fightful and enjoy two hours of stories from the royal rumble as i mentioned the comedy aspect the variety aspect of the royal rumble is one of my favorite things It gives you a break from the drama, from the tension, from a lot of different things. And few introduced that better than the Bushwhackers in 1991 with a quick elimination thanks to Earthquake. Luke, one of your moments in the Royal Rumble is one that people just look at and they they love so much, where you walk to the ring, Earthquake tosses you over the top rope, and you just keep walking. Do you remember whose idea that was and really anything about that? Uh, that came from Pat Patterson you know to to go out but um
16: Bush said, pump those arms when you keep go marching. out keep marching I said yeah keep marching and of course that became very notorious. It was up to it's only two years ago that Vince stopped playing that clip in the pre-royal Rumble. He played that clip for 18 years and that and that kept me that kept me in the people's eye. That uh, moment. And of course, on top of that, Butch was in there for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, or 24 minutes, and I was in there for four seconds. And of course, when uh, 10 days later, when we got the checks, I got the same as
7: Butch. I've never, I've never, ever let him forget it either. Here I was working my bloody ass off. <laughs> for 25 minutes and you got to keep going all the time because you don't know which camera's on you so you can't just stand there. I'm working my guts off for 25 minutes or 20 minutes. In comes Luke, takes three or four steps in the ring, marching, hits the buddy, hits the deck. He marches out. I wanted to march out after him, didn't I? I was bugging. I was puffing and I was grunting and I knew I had another five minutes left. Oh, boy. So when the checks came around, and I knew that he got the same as me, boy, was I mad. But it was the greatest thing going. We laugh about it now. They used to talk about that. More, they didn't care who was in the ring for how long. They didn't care who won what battle royal anywhere. All they said was, which one of you two Marched in the ring, marched on through, got thrown over the top and kept marching, and that's all they would ask. They they might have forgot which one it was, but once they knew, they never ever forgot.
0: So I'm yeah. looking. I'm looking at the first Royal Rumble you guys were in too. Luke only spent three minutes in the first one, and Butch had to spend eighteen minutes in that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
7: Hey, I'm and the Royal, Royal Rumble, Rumble man. man sure. I'm the Royal Rumble was, man. I think he was payoff man, mate. I think Luke was going into those deep pockets with his short arms. And they're very short when you're in a bar. And the pockets are very deep when you're getting a drink. But when it was to pay off for how long he was in the Royal Rumble, I think he got hold of those dollars real smartly because he got away with murder on both of them.
16: Hey, hey, Butch, Butch, you know who put the Royal Rumble together? Yeah, Pat Patterson. Yeah. Pat Patterson, yeah. Well, yeah, Pat, Patterson. Yeah, yeah. Pat, Pat liked me. He didn't like you oh, so much? much.
0: The one that, that so many of us remember is the MSG moment. And that's just got to right. be like the coolest thing. You're in there with right. your tag team partners, your friends, you're dancing. Then, of course, Rikishi eliminates you. But right. do you remember the process of being told how that was going to come together and, and all that? Because occasionally we see those entertaining moments. Ernest Miller in 04. But this, this is the one that stands out.
17: Yeah, it was, I mean, I think that was definitely a career highlight. You know, if you look back, like, I it's the Royal Rumble, you know, it's Madison Square Garden, it's sold out, it's in the peak of the Attitude Era, like, and we just stopped the Rumble to do the dance and blow the roof off the place. Like, it's, it's one of those things, you go, okay, nobody can ever take this away from us. Like, we had this magical moment out there that was awesome. And I can remember, I didn't know about it till the day of the Rumble, and I walked in and I saw the the lineup on the wall. And I can remember Pat Patterson explaining it to us, right? He was, he was there like right at that moment. He kind of gave us a rough, rough idea about what was going to happen. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things when it happens, even, you know, when he's telling you, you don't realize, you know, 20 something years later, it's, it's going to be still such a cool thing. Right.
0: I I love it. And then there was another moment and uh, one of the first wrestling seminars I ever went to, one of the pieces of advice was you don't have to bump to put somebody over. No. And then there was the Undertaker-Maven situation, and your facial reactions put over everybody in the ring to me. I watched that again recently, and I was like, that that just made Undertaker look even even more menacing. It, right. it made you look smarter because you're like, what what should I be doing here? And it yeah, made yeah. what happened to Maven accelerate even more because right. this veteran that we have seen in the ring with all kinds of people is like, that's pretty messed up. Yep. What was that like for you? Uh, please explain anything that went into preparing for that or anything behind the scenes of like instructions or. or anything so there were like two.
17: That. So I don't know. There's there were two Royal Rumble with. Moments with Taker because yes. it was, I came out with Maven, yes. but then there was the when Kane my music rings. hit, Kane and Undertaker were the only two guys standing yes. in the ring, staring down the aisle at me. Um,
0: so, oh, so yeah, maybe that was the one where where Kane was in there and and you were yeah. like. Eh
17: should I be yeah, doing I this? Yeah, I usually come out dancing and jumping may around and I just kind up, of walked yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. The thing about, I always had a regret with the, I mean, it played out perfectly, but I felt like it could have been even better with Kane and Undertaker if when I finally got in there, I pulled out two pairs of yellow glasses like I wanted yeah. them to dance, you know, and they just goozled me and chokeslammed me. But, who knows? It turned out awesome, anyways. But yeah, it's it's crazy to think back. Like I really probably was in the Royal the Royal Rumble. All the Rumbles I was in, a combined of like
0: a minute, but they were pretty cool moments, right? And then there was the one where you got attacked by Muhammad Hassan before yeah, you could right. even get yeah. into the Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think I, think I may have mixed. Think... Go ahead, sorry.
17: I think wasn't that the same one with with when uh, Maven eliminated Taker or not? No, no, no. I guess it wasn't.
0: Hassan it was 05... Uh, Maven and Taker, I believe was 01? I th- 01 yeah, or 02? that sounds
17: right. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Crazy. So I'm still in one of those Rumbles, right? Because yeah. I never actually got in there.
0: So I did a feature, I want to say like five years ago, where I took all the people who had like not made it to the Rumble or eliminated themselves or had been eliminated by somebody who was already eliminated, and like your name came up several times, and I was like, man, that poor guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> within storyline, that guy got screwed. Like,
17: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but you know what? If I had just gone out there and stayed in there for 15 minutes with none of that, nobody would
0: remember any of that.
17: I see. You I, know, that's the crazy yeah. part, right?
0: I would have loved if they did a thing where it's like, well, Scotty didn't make it to the ring in 05. Give him like a title match on SmackDown. That would have been like an easy right. thing to do right. right there. One of the funniest moments of all time in a Royal Rumble match didn't even happen in a traditional Royal Rumble. It was at the greatest Royal Rumble And what we now know is Titus world slide, but that was far from the only funny moment. And we spoke to so many people that were there, both for Titus world slide, as well as some backstage antics with the great Kali and Hornswoggle. Pretty interesting one in 2018, the uh, greatest Royal rumble, which was, uh, God, does that even count? It was the greatest in number. It was not the greatest in quality. They they just use
18: it. Like they just use it. They just use the name, basically, yes. to sell a show, right? Well, they, they do that all the yeah. time. Every time they yeah. go to
0: Saudi Arabia, they do something completely arbitrary. King of the yeah. Ring, the greatest wrestler in the world, yeah. the World Cup, the greatest tag team ever. Mm-hmm. And this is the greatest Royal Rumble. What do you remember about being told, oh, yeah, we're doing a 50-man Royal Rumble?
18: Uh, I don't remember much, but I do remember the, like, rumor swirling, which I'm, I am I think, you know, let's just throw an allegedly in front of this, were true, that, like the saudis had like a list of demands it, that's it was like all that it was true that's why it's f- allegedly true and that's why if you watch that thing like every <clears throat> like freak sized guy from nxt was randomly there like people who've never even wrestled yet were there
0: yeah uh, yokozuna was one of the rumors like f- that they wanted yokozuna there. i guess and- they
18: asked for yokozuna and ultimate warrior was oh. the rumor
0: I told Falaba he should have went up to Scott Damore and been like, pay up, buddy, or I'm jumping shit. But then we had
18: a a legitimate sumo there. And I remember who spoke Japanese and not English and had never wrestled before in his life. And like Jamie Noble's like running this huge meeting telling us what's going on. He's like, all right. And then uh, sumo brother's going to come out there. And we're just like, and he's just standing there has no clue what's going on, man. It was like kind of surreal to be part of.
0: How long was that meeting? Because it's a fifty-man Royal Rumble.
18: I think they were doing it in sections. They were like basically, like when okay. you're out, you can walk away until it got down to you know who was. I don't even remember who won that. Braun? Braun, 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 Braun won it. Braun won it. Braun. Braun. I think I I do a funny spot with Braun. Like I run away from him and then he beats the crap out of me on the ramp and I had like the ramp implanted on me because it hurt so bad.
0: So Brian Daniel Bryan Brian Danielson was in all but one minute of that. Did he have to hang around for every section?
18: No, you just kind of get your thing in scram, yeah. Because it was like, this massive, like almost like an indoor
0: uh, soccer field thing. We're all standing there talking it out. On I was interested because, like, I don't think anybody else did more than like 34, 35 minutes, and he was in there for an hour sixteen, which probably was something that he wanted to do. Knowing, um, of course, knowing a him. Sicko, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's
18: also the the tightest fall too,
0: correct? Yes. So which I
18: was in in Gorilla for because I'm I come out like right after, and it was like. People laughing in a way I've never seen people laugh in my, in my life. I mean, like crippling with laughter, like wild. So
0: wh- was there any concern for his safety?
18: No, That was like such an afterthought because obviously he was fine because he yeah. just, he popped right out. You know, if he was under there for a minute, I think people would have got scared, yeah. but he didn't even give you time to be concerned. He came right back right out. So everyone just lost it. Like no way that just happened.
0: A couple spots after you was great Kali and I gosh, I can't even remember who it was that had told this story, but they told me a story about how when he was in one of his early rumbles, he didn't speak great English and he was throwing people and he was legitimately amazed at how far he was throwing people, and while he did it, he was like, Fuck! wow
18: i mean i'm sure i mean i've been around Kali since day one because he was a deep south guy in like oh six or whatever right before yeah. he debuted and me and broski would have to stay after practice and just get demolished by him oh, so no. we've known him for a long time that you're drawing all these funny memories so i remember during that day because we hadn't seen him in a while we were bullshitting with him sitting in catering and like the boys kind of ball busting yeah and we were making fun of him that he knows like nobody's name even though he's been around us for like 10 15 years or whatever <laughs> yeah it's like hey man everyone's just whatever and like i so love it gallows who knows him like very well was with him in deep South, like wrestling a million times he's like hey Kali, what or dalit maybe even said to make a point yeah. like what what's my name he goes drew and we were like holy shit he knows his name whatever and then uh Wyndham, Br- ray wyatt tries to go Kali, what about me what what's my what's my real name and he goes Michael Hayes, man. <laughs> and we, I mean,
0: you talk about like a locker room pop. I mean, the boys fucking exploded. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. So yeah, getting in for a show like that, it was the first one there. Mm-hmm. I had people telling me like it was a nightmare at the time, like navigating like through the airport or whatever it was. Or maybe maybe it was just once they got out. Like what was the process of, of getting from – plane to venue because from what i understand it was like plane to venue venue to plane for a lot of people they didn't sightsee or anything but then I'm i had other sure. people saying that they did
18: so i had gone in like 2016 right when i came back in like a regular european tour style mm-hmm. we went there first before it became a big thing yeah. um so i had been and i just i knew what i was ex- you know expecting but there's always like oh don't let your tattoos show and all this like yeah. crazy stuff but then it's like not like that like, I remember I went to like a Gold's gym with Finn Balor and like people had their tank tops and tats. It just wasn't as strict as it was. We were meant to like be in fear of, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, and I had been there a couple times by then. It was just whatever. I've, I've had this thing. Like, if you want to be a successful professional wrestler, you have to succumb to traveling. Yes. And I can just like black out. I can just like, it is what it is. Oh, 12 hour plane ride. Sure. Oh, I'm delayed. Okay. I can just, I've done it for so long. I'm just like numb to
0: it. And it is what it is, and that even if it means going all the way to Saudi, you know. And then you were in the twenty nineteen Royal Rumble, and you actually got one of the quickest eliminations in Royal Rumble history. You eliminated Titus in a few seconds, right? Yes.
18: That was that was really fun, actually. Um I was always jealous. I always thought, even though he's like one of my best friends, I thought the year before I should have had Heath spot because I was doing the losing sure. streak and he's on the ramp. I thought that was an awesome spot. But they weren't like I was doing the losing streak thing, and Heath really wasn't doing anything on TV. But he's so lovable, and he just had that role like in history in WWE, so he the, could fill that role whenever. The Doesn't 2012
0: matter. spot of him getting his ass whipped by Legends is was so good. Yeah, oh, the so, best. Yeah,
18: the best. And he cried all through that, like my are jobbing me out, man. And we're like, dude, this is one of the coolest <laughs> like, spots you're ever gonna do in your career. Yeah, I think now he thinks of it like that, but back yeah. then he was like, you know, hoping to be champ. Oh, um, so I was like real jealous about that he got to do that because I'm like, damn, I like losing streak deal in that spot like keep getting drilled by guys on the ramp would have ruled and then to finally be in a real rumble in a massive state you know baseball stadium
19: prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed subscription required individual results may vary additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com read all warnings before using glp1s side effects may include a risk of thyroid c cell tumors do not use glp1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer
18: Uh, and to have, like, a cool spot that wasn't, like, forgettable. I thought it was, was great. I got a nice little pop. That was right when – that was, like, the losing streak was so deep that the crowd was starting to turn for me because
0: they felt bad for me too. So I got a nice little reaction. I thought it was, it was a pretty cool moment. One of the things I always wanted to see was you in a Royal Rumble and Kofi Kingston to land on the bicycle, drive it around the ring, and then get back in.
21: <laughs> that would have been, been a great spot to do. But I, we never got a chance to do it. I got, uh, I got uh, taken out one time by Big Khan. <laughs> she threw me out. <laughs> so it was terrible. I was like, uh, man, do I have to do this? <laughs> yeah, I've <laughs> always been days. so
0: fascinated with how the Royal Rumbles work, and you were a part of several of them, including one over in yeah. Saudi Arabia. How different yeah. was the one in Saudi Arabia to work through than the normal ones? Because we're talking about 20 more people in that than usual.
21: Yeah, but the good thing about that, that it was uh, – each of us would go out like um, after a certain time. It wasn't that it wasn't everybody in the ring at the same time. Like mm. usually we start with like thirty people in the ring and we start like battling it out. This was like one after I think after a minute or after thirty seconds, yeah. they would yeah. send somebody out and they would give us a little time to actually do some cool moves in the ring and, and things like that. So that was the difference about that one. It wasn't it wasn't like a big big crazy smash everybody oh, in just, there. Oh, you know? the, just
0: the typical battle royals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that was that that
21: but yeah, it was long and that was the epic uh, uh titus O'Neil slip oh, remember
7: gosh. man
21: yeah and and the, the, i know i know a lot of people when they think about it they laugh and uh, we we laughed in the back it was crazy but then if, if you really look at the the look at back if if you if we would have had the old wrestling ring where they have like the, the screen imagine he would have he could have you know really hurt himself broken his neck or something but good thing that the ring you know he could have gone underneath, and there was like a little, uh, like a barrier also in the middle. And he went on the side; he would have hit it. He would something really bad could have happened. So inside of all that, you know, funny stuff that happened, that that, that is my way of thinking. Like man, like you could have really hurt yourself, or something really bad could have happened. But uh, I'm glad that he didn't. It. it was just a funny moment, and and I got to live that it was it was a lot of fun. He's a good guy too. He, he
0: is a great guy. I've always yeah. gotten along well with him, and I mean, he's being yeah. recognized, which is really great yeah. in in the Hall yeah. of Fame. So, yeah, I, how was Saudi Arabia for you? I know you went over there a few times. You had went over there before the deal too, but you were also on the the not so great
7: trip. <laughs> yeah, too.
21: that 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 it wasn't fun at all. Like. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the boys were really upset a lot of the boys were really we felt that that the company let us you know let us down in that sense of like just keeping us out there they didn't they didn't really care you know they, they were coming up with all these excuses about the plane not leaving because they were ordering apart they had to come from a different place and this and that but i think we all know the truth you know had, had you heard <laughs> yeah, that yeah.
0: vince had had a disagreement with the head no, guy over there, because that's that's no, what...
21: we didn't, we, we didn't. In that moment, we didn't know at all. Yeah, no idea what was going on. Till like, like I think the next day, then we actually were like, we were there for like a day and a half. Like and uh, like being, I felt like I was being a hostage, being like in a country like what do I do? Like a lot of the guys were like thinking, I should I get up? I'm I'm gonna go to the airport and buy a, myself a ticket and go back. Like we can't leave. Like what are you talking about? Like. like if if they gave the order from up there nobody can leave the country so it was just sad to be able to realize that you know that and that true they didn't care you know they left the the bosses left and they left they left us there stranded and see when they get back and and so a lot of the guys actually when that happened they went to the office and said they didn't want to go back
0: yeah I know Andrade was yeah. one of those people, and uh, Andrade,
21: uh, Kevin Norton, some of the guys actually. I think Daniel Bryan said it too, and yeah. some of the guys that were like, oh, we don't want to go back," and and, uh, and it's understandable, you know. Dude. We had a meeting after that. It that's was, what I was about to uh, ask you it, about that. It was a bunch of like just going here and there, like nothing, nothing concrete said about what happened. <laughs> and that's a
0: big money deal for them. So for a lot of their mm-hmm. top guys to be like, "We're not going back," that that hits hard.
21: Yeah, but a lot of the guys get paid the same. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like they were getting paid extra. They were making a lot of money, but not the guys. Yeah, only the only some of the guys were really getting you know a lot of money. Other than that, the the guys that were soldiers like me, they were always there. Not really. It wasn't like they were gonna get this big bonus. Not true.
20: Yeah.
0: How right. was that put together? How did that that maybe differ from traditional battle royals in WWE? Because that one seems like it would take a little bit longer. But I've had other people say. Well, it wasn't that bad. It was like I think it was Sinkara that was telling me. No, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It was it was there was a formula that they followed to make it happen. But what do you remember about that?
22: Yeah, I I'm kind of going to go with 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 Jorge there and say that there was a there was a formula that they very much followed where it was like they knew like they knew we were going to line up certain guys and then those guys were going to get eliminated. But for me, <laughs> for me it was easy because I, here's a scoop. They came right in, and they were like, all right, Mike, you're, I don't remember what number I was, a fifth, sixth, maybe, <laughs> out of 12. Yeah. I have no idea. But they go, you have the bushwhacker spot. And I went, "Oh, awesome. And everyone knew what that was. I went, so hold on. You flew me away from my two-week-old daughter so I could come to do the bushwhack. Okay. Thank God you're paying me a lot of money for yes. that because – Yeah. And I remember like, I was getting ready. I was oiling up in the trainer room and uh, Orton, who's (laughs) always been so good to me. I don't know why, but he's always gone above and beyond and just been so kind to me. um, He's like, Hey, what? Like, he's always, he was always the guy that was like, I I hope you get a spot. Like I hope you see. And like, um, and so I'm oiling up, I'm getting ready and Orton comes in. He's like, Oh, what are you doing in the rumble? I was like, I got the bushwhacker spot. And he just stopped and he went (laughs) really. And I went, yeah, he's like, I was like, I'm going to make the most of it. He's like, it's all you can do. You know, it was just one of those things. But like, so I, I was just like, I'm going to come out. I talked to Mark Henry. I was like, here's what we're going to do. Cool, whatever. And at, at the end of the day, you just got to you gotta laugh it off and make the most of it.
0: So it's funny you mentioned this. I, I collect these Rumble stories and like it every year I'm doing an inside the Royal Rumble feature. I spoke what? to the Bushwhackers for the next <laughs> edition. So I'm going to be able to group this in yes. like and like a chapter and yeah. i mean
22: you got you did you all did get pretty big paydays for that though right yeah no they 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 took care of us they uh and then it 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 progressively started getting uh to the point where guys were like well we're not gonna go over it i mean once mm-hmm. all the news started to break and all that stuff a lot of guys were kind of like we're not going over unless you pay us more because a lot of guys didn't feel safe sure. or a lot of guys didn't want to because they morally they felt wrong i i was one of them i was like i don't i don't feel comfortable with what went down anymore and of it's course. like you you have to you have to make this worth my while as a as a dad if i'm gonna leave my kids it's gonna be worth my while
0: do you remember the sumo guy that came in
22: right after you yes that yes. was that was very random you're so random but I, so what I've heard is they wanted Yokozuna. Yes. What I heard is they wanted Yokozuna and someone had to explain to the prince that he was no longer alive. So they were like, just get, just get any, any sumo wrestler.
0: So when I heard that, I told Falaba, I was like, you better be telling Impact. Pony up yeah. the dough. Cause I'm in demand. I can pull off Yokozuna. Yeah.
22: <laughs> I can make they were that also going to do a, um, a Hornswoggle match too that they ended up cutting. So they actually brought over a guy whose his name's Robbie Arujo, who's a uh, independent wrestler. They flew him over there and he did nothing. He was supposed to wrestle Hornswoggle. Flew him over there, he did absolutely nothing. I didn't know that at all. But, I know who yeah, you're they, talking yes. about. Uh cuz yeah. cuz his his
0: gimmick is that he's the giant, Robbie the Giant Arujo. I remember it's saying- like
22: I think he did JBL like yeah. uh or JWL or whatever they were doing at the time, yes. but yeah, yeah, they brought him over. And then they just completely canned it. What was, what was the process of that? Like, I mean, that's a
0: giant one. That's 50 people. How did that differ from, I think it was the 2017 rumble you did. Was it messier? Did they structure it different? How did that work?
23: Um, that one was kind of funny actually. So I have an Arab background. My dad, half of my dad's family lives in Saudi. My whole family speaks Arabic. Um, I'm learning. Um, so every time we would go to Saudi, it was uh, they'd always send me over a week or two ahead of time, you know, for for PR, for promos, community service, whatever we could do. And I always, I always wanted to go. I loved it. Um, it was great, and I, I would get to see my family. So that was always one of my favorite parts of of the gig. Over the the past, you know, nine ten years, was was moments like this, um, especially international travel the Saudi battle Royal was funny because they were trying to figure out who they wanted to be as kind of their like figurehead or spokesperson for that market Yeah, for all promos. It was me, you know, like they had, they had me in that role, but you know, they brought in Mansour whose family's also from Saudi. He looks, you know, he looks Arab. I don't look Arab at all. <laughs> And uh, they were trying to figure out, like, uh, do we use them both? Do we do we use one? So I remember it was just so funny because in the creative meeting, they're like, all right, who are we going to have win this thing? And there was some people that wanted Mansoor and there was some people that wanted wanted me and they're like dude mojo's already on the main roster he's already been here for for promo and whatnot Let, let's use him and they they decided to use mansoor and i'm so happy for him he's worked his butt off uh in a lot of different ways to to be the representative there but i just remember it was funny because i guess when they decided mansoor was gonna be the guy they were like well shoot we can't have we can't have two Arab representatives in the ring at the same time. It's going to split the crowd. We got to, we got to get Mojo out of this thing ASAP. So I think they're like first commercial break, just toss out Mojo and just get him out of there. So it doesn't split the crowd. And that's what happened. So it was was kind of funny. I was like, guys, you do realize I've been here for two weeks, like on (laughs) TV every day in the region. Like you're aware of this, right? Like, you know, we could do like a tag team thing over here or, I could always be the heel to you know build them up or whatever you guys want. What was their reaction
0: whatever. to that? Did they did they just dismiss it or were they
23: just like, eh? Well, I never. You never know what actually goes on behind the closed doors. I had just heard that this was one of the conversations that was had, so it was, it was funny. But Mansoor's done a hell of a job over there, and again, he he is the part, but he also looks the part too. <laughs>
0: That's a fair point. You also threw out a couple people in, I think, the greatest Royal Rumble, Tyler Breeze, Fandango. Do they they hit you up at, or do they tell you beforehand, hey, you're throwing these people out, get with them, figure out how you're going to do it?
23: Man, those things are all over the place, bro. Yeah, there's usually like a, a little list, but a lot of it's, you know, kind of, you know, on the fly. You might get some pointers while you're in there. Yeah. Um, you know, there isn't like a set list like, all right, number one, this guy eliminates that guy. I mean, sometimes there are, but that's. When you got 50 people, you can't wait in succession because it's just going to take too long. And no one can see across the ring, you know, to know who's been el- eliminated, let alone know who's left. So it's, uh, it gets crazy, man. Those things can be, can be a blur.
0: One of the things people love the most about the Royal Rumble is surprises. And a few years ago, we had a big win in former NWA WCW champion, Jeff Jarrett. When I spoke to him promoting his My World podcast on ad-free shows, he opened up a little bit to me about when he found out and exactly how much preparation he got for his Rumble appearance. Fairly recently, when you appeared as a surprise in the Royal Rumble, how did, how did that come about? How were you approached and how did you react? Obviously, you eventually said yes, but...
24: Now, this could be, a, 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 it will be probably, no encounter, a lengthy podcast. But, you know, from the Hall of Fame the previous year, and then fast forward 12 months, the, the discussions and um, times lack of discussions, and and and, and I'll say the one-on-one discussions. But when it came about, it literally, I left uh, the morning, uh, I just, the, the quick real, I mean, the very condensed version that goes into it. I left my house. I want to say it was a Friday. Yeah. It was either, no, Thursday or Friday morning. And, um, excuse me, was in the gym, got the call and, uh, Hey, well, first got a text. Can you talk? Sure. (laughs) Uh, and so I said, let me finish my workout, went out to the car, took the call. And that was like nine days before Royal Rumble. Uh, I mean, I'm like, you realize that event is next weekend. Thanks for the heads up. I'm glad that I'm still in the gym and ready to go. But no, the, the call came quickly and, and the layers that go into it. And then really, quite frankly, what transpired out of that uh, is, is a cool story. And Conrad, uh, a couple of times over the last, I'll say, 60 days, uh, when we just touched on different things and had some text exchanges, and I'll say, you just wait till the mic's hot on this one. It, hey, it's wait. one of those stories that uh, it's going to be exciting.
0: I want one scoop out of that. Did you have to get new gear made or did you wear old gear? No, Sean,
24: you are really telling on yourself. If you watch, you would have known that ain't new no gear. I <laughs> mean, I
7: cracked up.
24: Uh, I'll leave this. When we get to that episode, some comments were made through headsets and that question was asked. They said, where the hell did he get this? And somebody said that. And then the answer to was, he dug it out of his pack rack closet. I've never oh. thrown anything away. What's funny is that hat, that is the original hat that they saved. So hats off to the WWE warehouse. But no, that hat uh, has seen its better day. But uh, no, that was all original gear.
0: That isn't the only Royal Rumble I want to ask about. Because I've, I've actually been looking for somebody to tell me a little bit about this. You were a part of a Royal Rumble that happened off TV in 94, it was like right before the 94 Rumble. It was at uh, Madison Square Garden, and it was just out of nowhere. Owen Hart ended up winning that. Do you remember like what you all were told about doing a Royal Rumble the week before? You know, no. I, I, I mean, the ins and outs,
24: and I would have to refresh my memory, but I can just remember, you know, back then, obviously, the world has changed. Um, we're sitting here talking on, on on a Zoom call in video, and it, it's going to be online in just a minute, but, you know, in, in what was that? 94. Yeah. Um, the, the, the quote unquote, the pay-per-view was in Providence if I recall correctly, but the amount of events we did back then, you know, we were 10 days on three days off four days on three days off. And so it was just a complete churn and it was another live event that we cranked out. Obviously it was a garden and all, every time you step foot in in the big apple in, in that arena, it's special, but, but it's like, Oh, wow, this is different. And, and, um, you know, like I said, Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. But it's a unique story. The that that day of the Royal Rumble with with Yoko and it's and Savage. Savage is the one who eliminated me. And going around and Pat Patterson in the room and him telling Savage walking up to me and said, "Hey, I volunteered. I want to eliminate." Just all the cool stuff that goes into the making of that match.
0: I've always been so fascinated with that and like how they put that together because you got to manage so many people. And yeah. managing egos in wrestling and personalities in wrestling when you've got a bunch of very vivid personalities to begin with. 30 of them at a time and you gotta do it once a year, that's that's what like how did you manage it as like at the show itself when you were producing? Like, did you have any hand in that? Well, I mean, you
24: know, that one obviously not. I was just a talent, but as we sure. get into the TNA years and we called it don't for the gold and the ins and outs and the ebbs and flows. And, uh, you know, uh, Chris Park, uh, the Monster Abyss, um, he had a real good mind. There's there certain guys that had that the ability to step back and look at all 30 or 20 competitors or 40 competitors or whatever. they. And that's really what you have to do. You have to take a step back and look at the big picture and make sure that, the, like, whether it's a one-on-one match or a triple threat or a tag or a six-man tag, you, you got to have the ebbs and flows, the roller coaster, as you will, if you will, the ups and downs that that really tell the viewer, the consumer, uh, the right story. And and it, it it's a real fascinating thing that that uh, I that when people hear it for the first time, they're like, I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Conrad, we've had those kind of conversations that that he says, Jeff, you're going to bring a different perspective. And I'm like, I've been around it since I was a teenager. A lot of things come second nature because I've heard it over and over, but it's brand new to other folks.
0: Not all the surprises in the Royal Rumble are people who have been gone from the company or are making a big return. Sometimes it's within the company themselves. NXT has been a third brand for WWE for several years now. And of the last several years, they've dipped into that NXT pool to create some unique moments. We spoke to some big parts of that NXT roster, or at least that used to be a part of that NXT roster, about the process of being added to the Royal Rumble match. I'm always interested about people's Royal Rumble experiences, and you had a pretty cool one because you came out as as a surprise in 2018. How far ahead did you you find out about that? And I mean, a, a guy your age, you probably grew up adoring the Royal Rumble, I would imagine.
25: Yeah, not only that, so for, to answer the first part of your question, I found out less than 24 hours before, um, I was pulled into a room after takeover. Uh, and Triple H was the one who told me, he goes, hey, congratulations, you're gonna be in the in the Royal Rumble tomorrow. And this was right after my Extreme Rules match with Alistair Black. Um, but aside from just being such a massive fan of the Royal Rumble, that one was in Philadelphia, <laughs> and I used to go to shows in Philadelphia all the time that was like I would get there at noon and it has a certain parking lot where you could sit there and you could watch all the guys show up in their cars or limos or whatever Um, so I can't tell you how many events I've been to in Philly so to be able to do the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia where I trained to be a wrestler where I would go to shows all the time uh, and as a surprise and for the fans to be excited about it I was like Oh, my God. What a massive thing to check off the bucket list. So, it was awesome.
0: You were in the Royal Rumble in 2019. How far out did you hear that you were going to be a part of that? And and what was your reaction? Because if if you grew up watching Doc Hendricks and Todd Pettingill, you probably yeah. grew up watching a whole lot of Royal Rumbles,
26: too. Yeah, Royal Rumble was always my, like, one of the main things I wanted to do here. Royal Rumble was my favorite pay-per-view, is my favorite pay-per-view. So, to just get the chance to be in it, I actually found out. So, I had a feeling like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I kind of got a vibe from people like, oh, I might be in this Royal Rumble.
7: Yeah.
26: Uh, and I, I I did not know for sure. I didn't find out for sure until literally the night before at takeover, takeover just ended. And I think Hunter pulled us all aside, like me, Alistair, Pete Dunn, and uh, told us that we were going to be in the Royal Rumble the next night. And like I said, it was weird because I had a feeling. Candice was told that she was going to be in the Royal Rumble earlier that week. So she yeah. already knew she was going to be in it, uh, but so I kind of got the vibe that I was going to be in it too. And then I was officially told the night before at like eleven thirty at night that I had to get ready for the Royal Rumble. Uh, so I had to tell like I told like my mom because she was in town for Takeover. Like, hey, maybe you should stay uh, and go to the Royal Rumble too because I'm in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> so like it was cool because Candace's parents and my mom got to go to the Royal Rumble the next day and see us in the Royal Rumble, and just uh, it was a cool cool thing and it's just like i said it's my favorite pay-per-view of all time so to get the chance to be in it is just amazing man
0: got an elimination there as well so i, mean, I did
26: <laughs> gender
0: right I, I did i got rid of gender and i mean so so when when you're talking with him about that is he like like I, I know that in the past pat patterson rest his soul would set a lot of those up but i know it's changed in recent years when you're when you're going over that with him are you like i mean he's a big jack he's a big boy dude how are, how are you f-
26: kind of figuring that out? Uh, you're kind of just like luckily enough. Like I've been with NXT in the company long enough where I have a, a decent reputation, so it's not just like a random guy in a yeah. in a Royal Rumble. Like they know it's like kind of a, a cool deal. So everyone was like just on the same page to kind of make the best of the situation and and make a cool moment happen. Uh, and like it, it's just I like you said, like he is a big dude, but I think I, I've been in this company long enough where i know like everyone's kind of a big dude compared to me <laughs> it ain't in a way shape in a way shape or form they are uh but i mean i, I love the fact that we've kind of gotten beyond that now yeah and size really doesn't matter as much anymore like got a guy like daniel bryan kind of kicked that door down for us so i always look straight to ufc i mean
0: a lot of the best athletes in the world are, are lighter they're leaner mm-hmm. they're faster And I think that's been a long way. You had won a a Royal Rumble in Chikara, didn't you? Uh, Like 10 years ago. Cesaro was was in it.
26: Yes. So that was the, I'm trying to remember the exact name for it. It was like a special stipulation one where I won, I believe I won like a, it was kind of a money in the bank situation where I won a a title match wherever I, whenever I wanted. And I, I wanted, I believe I used it as a chance for the Young Lions Cup on Frightmare, if my memory yes. serves me correctly. Correctly. Do you uh, do
0: you remember the person you last eliminated in that?
26: No. Chase You're Parker. Tell me. Did Chase Parker? Yes. Oh wow! I, I'm gonna tell him next time I see him. Now. <laughs> Chase Parker. Say, I I talk all the time with those guys. How like people don't know, but we like me and, and Chuck Taylor. Like we had quite the feud with 3.0. Yeah. In, in Chikara, like we wrestled those guys a bunch. So those are two guys like ever rise. Obviously I'm talking about yeah. ever rise are two guys who I think are, I think the world of, I think they have so much potential and I'm super excited. Now they're, they're like, they, they are the definition of kind of, I know like I have a history of, you know, the DIY mentality and doing it yourself, but those two guys are currently doing it themselves that ever rise live. That whole bit they're doing is just, is just going to the next level for them. And I, I, I can't wait to hopefully get in the ring with them one day again on NXT.
0: Nowadays, we get double the Royal Rumbles because women are in on the action, which means we get double the surprises and double the NXT entrance. It's very similar how the men's and women's side of things ended up hearing about how they'd be in the Royal Rumble. But as a result, we get a lot more exposure for a lot of younger names, even for some of them like Chelsea Green, who made their name elsewhere. Rumble, you popped up there, looked like a star there. People still use the GIF, like like anytime something's happening with you. There's the sh GIF, GIF, whatever it's called up there. How were you told that it was gonna happen, and what goes into the process of working a Royal Rumble match?
27: Nobody told me I was gonna be in the Royal Rumble. You just showed um, up. That,
0: that's what you do. Yeah, you just yeah. Showed I up. Just showed up that they put me in. No, but.
27: Nobody told me. I actually had heard the year I got hired. I got hired um in um what?
0: 2019?
27: 2018. Okay. So I got hired October, 2018. Um, I had heard that my name had been thrown around for that Royal Rumble uh, in 2019 um, to debut or not debut, but come out for the Royal Rumble as the hot mess, whether that's true or not. I don't know, but you know, I, I heard that and that is awesome. Like that was cool. So then when it came to the Royal Rumble Robert Stone and I did talk about like this is a possibility this year you know you're you're on TV you you've done it you've done a couple of, of main events and, and raws and you're on NXT TV this could happen um, but we never heard anything and then we got a uh, notification in our wwe app saying that there is a dress rehearsal for the royal rumble that you're needed for <laughs> so i was like wait so i texted him like wait are we in it what's happening are so
0: we- you're you're in florida at this time the pay-per-views in what arizona or houston i can't remember yeah i know it was Not at the baseball
27: Arizona one. Arizona was the one i would have been on okay it was the next
0: year so yeah it was houston then uh the baseball stadium so what did you have to like hop on a flight like immediately or?
27: Yeah, so it was like, I believe like the day before, like, so I got that and then I got um all my flight information and it was like maybe the next day or something like that. But luckily we had spoken about it. So I was ready, you know, I, I'm always ready with gear. Always like, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be in WrestleMania in in 2020 but I had Wrestlemania gear ready and I had backup Wrestlemania gear ready and I had Smackdown and Raw you know just in case they wanted me to debut gear ready Wow! so I'm good I'm good on that front like I had that pink outfit ready and planned for the Royal Rumble in case but you
0: have been in the last two Royal Rumbles and I mean it's wild to think I mean categorically different Royal Rumbles because of the state that the world is in how did they differ this year because I mean, I, obviously, I'm trying to poke around and find out everything I can about the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite event of the year. Same. <laughs> but, but, like, I would, I would hear people say that they were like, well, this year, some of the surprise entrants, we would see them walking around in the hallway the, the night before. And it's like, "Yeah, it, like, but <laughs> How was that different for you coming from NXT both years from a stadium show to one without fans?
28: It still meant a lot to me uh, to be included in this year's one. Obviously, uh, any of the girls included from NXT. And given they couldn't include as many just because of the circumstances with COVID and things like that, they had to keep it pretty uh, low-key in terms of, you know, the number of girls they could use. But it still meant a lot to me just because the Royal Rumble is my favorite pay-per-view too. And, And growing up watching it, it was... I think it's just this weird thing when you're watching it you're constantly getting excited or like every few minutes a new entrant comes out it's like this this amazing match is filled with surprise and shock shock returns um but last year's one was crazy and the entrance itself in that stadium that was that was all I needed I didn't care about the rest of whatever I was doing because like I could have been in there for one second it wouldn't have mattered because the vibe of The live crowd especially a big pay-per-view like that took my breath away and um we us nxt girls also got to watch the uh the men's match too later on that night and none of us knew edge (laughs) was coming back so we're just sitting up top um and it happens oh my god like that moment was insane and we were all like little kids again it was cool
0: it was so funny because when i would talk to wrestlers this year they'd be like
28: well, yeah, of course
0: we saw Christian running around backstage, but he's like, he's there. I... He's there for stuff all the time. Like not all the Is time, he? but, but he's just, he's there to do like digital stuff and to do shows. Oh, right. And then he's, he's in the match and people are like, well, you're in the match.
28: <laughs> see, I didn't even see him. So it was still a, a surprise to me. So I think that's a benefit of being an NXT. <laughs> and,
0: and to your point about constantly getting excited, I battled ADHD for most of my life. And <laughs> and it's hard to hyper-focus on something, but when you have a new person coming out every minute and a half, it's like, oh, you have something else to divert your attention to or to be excited about or to, I think it's, it's really perfect for a wrestling audience. And that's why it stood the test of
28: time. Yeah, for sure.
0: As far as finding out you were in it, how did that differ this year? Because I would, I heard varying things about that too.
28: Yeah. So, so last year, uh, pretty sure it was the day after, um, worlds collide. So it was, uh, after mine and, Oh no, we didn't have a street fight there. Sorry. It was, we had just a little promo, me and Tegan in that show. Um, and we all got told like after that, so <laughs> it was very last minute. We were all rushed in the bus, like to go get ready for it. And, and that was cool. That was super, super cool. Uh, this year, we found out a few weeks prior, which was also cool. Um, it was myself, Ember, Shotzi, and Rhea, and then uh, Tony as well. We were all pulled into like Coach Bloom's office and told. They, they really like sharing that information with us because it's oh, such a cool, exciting time. And, and us girls were super, super happy. And it was it's a nice little moment, you know, like there were no cameras in there. There were no, nothing over the top, but it was just nice for him to deliver that news to us. And it felt special just because of the limitations and restrictions in which M- NXT is being used speaking Uh, uh, of like with Rowan Smackdown
0: you you were a part of that how how was that for you to be told you're in a Royal Rumble match who gives you the news and and says hey by the way you you got signed a few months ago you're in the Royal Rumble
9: ah yeah I mean that was like a text message the night before hey get (laughs) on a plane um you're going to Texas and then getting there and being like all right here's your number and I'm like what
0: in a baseball stadium at that
9: in front of too many people.
0: <laughs> so how do you prepare mentally for that? How do you even like, do you get any yeah. sleep the night before?
9: No, no. I was <laughs> up in my hotel room. Just being like, is this real? What is my life? <laughs> I mean, is,
0: was that one of the types of matches? Cause I mean, I know that, For someone your age, War Games maybe wasn't around for a while when you were younger, but the Royal Rumble was there every single year. And as your career gets started, they kick off women's Royal Rumbles. I mean, like, did did you have like visions of what you would do when you finally got into a match like that?
9: Oh no, not at all. (laughs) I (laughs) I really didn't even have time to think about it. But the Royal Rumble has always been my favorite pay-per-view like it has the most surprises it's so much fun to watch and like i was just ecstatic when girls got introduced finally um and to be a part of you know the beginning of that oh, insane
0: <laughs> so when you're in a match like that obviously you're you're interacting with some people that maybe you don't get to run into every single day did you get any interesting feedback or any advice or any help from, from anybody that you looked up to, or maybe just that you just met.
9: I mean, I got some good forearms from Beth Phoenix and that was enough for me.
0: (laughs) And now she's calling your matches on Wednesdays.
9: I know it's wild. She's like, you know, cheering me on and then, you know, beating me up. It's great.
0: (laughs) The women on the main roster have plenty of surprises and entertaining moments of their own. One of my personal favorite Mandy and Otis. Mandy and Otis had an unlikely love affair in 2020, and just as Mandy was about to be eliminated from the Royal Rumble, Otis, eager to impress her, rolled from under the ring, and Mandy landed on him. We spoke to her about that, as well as Maria Kanellis, about serving as a surprise entrant well after her in-ring career was done full-time. How did that all come together? Because that was just one of those special moments very early in the life of women's Royal Rumbles.
19: Yeah, that was probably still, you know, top two. Now I have, you know, obviously the women's champion uh, moment. So that that's top number one, but that was definitely one of the top moments in my career because just getting that crowd reaction I mean like you you see it in the video of like when I finally stood back up on the uh the apron and the crowd just like erupted and obviously the fans were really behind um Otis and our storyline and I think it was you know that beauty and the beast type um and just they saw a different side of me as well which was kind of cool and the 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 process of being involved with Dolph and Sonia and there were so many pro- parts of the story and we were really much involved in that storyline um, in the creative aspect of it like Sonia and I were really on top of things because we really wanted um to make this storyline and this kind of feud be amazing and um obviously there you know a couple Outlets in the end didn't turn out the best because of the situation, but um, I think overall that was during the pandemic and it was one of those moments at WrestleMania as well, like where we had no fans, but, um, you know, we had like the biggest social reaction, you know, of the year, which was really cool. And it was just, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, Otis is so much fun to be around, obviously, as you can tell, and he was just, he was just great to work with.
0: Do you remember who cooked up the idea for that? I mean, it was really one of the best spots of that year.
19: You know that spot specifically, I don't remember, but I, I know it was a collaboration of a few of us. Um, I, I want to say it was like I can't, I can't even remember. It might have been TJ um, or uh, Michael Hayes. I forget exactly, <laughs> but. We just, yeah, it was, um, I think Johnny LaRanitis who was before he, yeah, I think, I, I think it was a, a bunch of us that kind of just came up with it and, um, it worked out perfectly. Thank God. So, um, it was, it was awesome. That was a really, really fun,
0: you, fun, uh, match. The women's Royal Rumble, completely different beast, completely different, uh, from a booking standpoint, biologically, like, I mean, there, there are different ways that the women's Royal Rumble works. How did you find out you were going to be in this Royal Rumble? Um, oh gosh.
29: I don't know. Um, I, I can't answer that. I'm sorry. I'm sure That's it was just okay. a text message. I I'm sure it was a text message from Mark Carano. Cause
0: you weren't, um, you weren't advertised beforehand. So it was a bit of a surprise to hear your music hit and yeah. and you're out there.
29: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't remember exactly how it was. Um, but I was, I, I had new clothes and everything was, you know, I was ready to go. So, um, no, it was, it was exciting. All like coming back and wrestling, um, especially because I don't take it so seriously anymore.
0: Is so much fun. And all, all due respect to Mike, you didn't get the bushwhacker spot. You were in there for a while. Uh, I, and yeah, we,
29: I, I was in there for a
0: minute. <laughs> you were in there for about eight minutes and me and Mike were laughing about that, about how he was told he would get the bushwhacker spot in Saudi Arabia you hadn't wrestled in a while. I mean, was this just second nature to you? You're like, nah, I can do this in my sleep. We're good.
29: I was taken care of. I was, (laughs) I was really well taken care of. Um, I had been training, um, and yeah, I, I was taken care of by the other girls. Like they, they were so lovely to me. They, they just took care of me.
0: Now, not everybody that's in the Royal Rumble is going to have their moment. They're not always going to get their shine, but you have to have 30 people to fill it out sometimes. Sometimes you need maybe four people to fill it out in the case of a mini Royal Rumble. Chuck Palumbo never won a Royal Rumble, doesn't have any particular memorable moments from the Royal Rumble, but he was a part of a couple different kinds, and we spoke to him about his experience. You were a yeah. part of a couple of them, and, and a lot of the people I talked to there's not a lot of instruction to be given they go out there they get thrown out you've been in a few and you had some eliminations do you remember the process of putting those together kind of how they came together and and any fond or negative memories about the Royal Rumble you
30: kind of knew what number you were I remember always always only a couple times I remember <laughs> just trying to remember who was going out before me you get a lot yes. of guys right yes Royal Rumbles are tough. They're dangerous. Number one, they're dangerous. There's too many guys in there. Um, number two, they're just—they're all over the place. And then some guys are trying to get—you know—trying to get high spots off in the ring when there's all these guys. It ends up just being a lot of punching and kicking, unfortunately. But I get it. I get the—you know—I get the whole gimmick. But um, I don't—you know—to be honest with you, the only thing I remember about the Royal Rumbles, I remember one I believe was maybe maybe at MSG. Yes. When I was doing the biker gimmick, and I believe Shawn Michaels was, was in it. And I remember Sean, because, you know, who I always respected as a work, great, great talent. I remember he asked, told me, hey, uh, you know, give me, a, you know, a push pre- overhead press. And I remember at the time I had a super nagging uh, rotator cuff injury. So I was like, I don't know if he was punching me or what. We were talking in there, but I was like, I, I can't. My shoulder's messed up. But I was thinking, gosh, I was like, this guy, you know, here's a guy who's way over. And he's asking me to, you know, do an overhead military press, which I thought was cool um it's all that just basically you know that uh builds my character right Yes. um and I couldn't do it because I my shoulder was shot but um so unfortunately that's one of my memories the other one was I don't know if Austin threw me out of the other one when I was doing the billion and Chuck character
31: he I might so. have but uh,
30: we didn't say much I don't remember
0: um yeah it yeah was... I
30: just remember they're they're kind of a cluster you know
0: yeah it was it was Austin and and There were a couple of eliminations you had in that one. There was Godfather and Albert. You and Christian eliminated them. Was was that told to you specifically by anybody? Like, hey, we we need you two to eliminate these people.
30: I believe yes. I believe yes.
0: Yeah. So, and, and then in 08, I remember John Cena came back that year. And it was a huge, like, surprise. Were you guys clued in? Like, had you all known? Because I know that you came out... Very early in that Royal Rumble, but I also know WWE has been particular about leaks. And when you're going to be in that match for a few minutes, maybe they don't clue everybody in. But did, had you had any idea? I I believe I had an idea. Did I know the detail? No, but I think I had an idea.
30: Um, I mean, yeah, they were pretty tight-lipped, but I, I didn't know exactly what they'd be doing. But uh, who did he go over in that? Was he the? Yeah, last, it, last man standing. Yeah, yeah,
0: John Cena won. He he came in as the big surprise thirty entrant, yeah. number thirty entrant, and he yeah. won that Royal Rumble at MSG because yeah. he was supposed yeah. to be out for like six seven months with a shoulder injury. Yeah, and
30: yeah. so I, I think I knew most of that, but as far as the detail on how it was going to happen, no.
0: now I know a lot of people might not remember this, but I was so deep into SmackDown at that time you and the FBI had a bit of an angle leading into the 4 Rumble. Like, there were a series of matches. There was uh, Benoit and Cena against you guys, and the winners would enter the Royal Rumble, and you guys yeah. didn't win that. Like, the running yeah. gag was, you guys are trying to get into the Rumble. Yeah. Then there was a mini Royal Rumble with you, Stamboli, Nunzio, and, and Benoit. And then there was another battle royal where Nunzio beat you and Stamboli, you know, just so he could go in and get speared... By Goldberg, yeah. which was which was good. What do you remember about that story? Do you remember that like being laid out well ahead of time? I know Paul Heyman was instrumental in that era of SmackDown.
30: Yeah, um, being laid out ahead of time. No, <laughs> I think that was a fly by the seat of the pants thing, as was a lot of things. Um, to have something late for a mid card guy. Or Cod stable to have something laid out three or four weeks in advance—that's <laughs> a rarity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I really didn't know. It, it was a back then. It was a week to week thing. I remember yeah. we had some we had some solid matches with uh, Brock. We had some solid matches with Taker. Um, I just I remember those. I don't remember the matches in particular, but I remember those times. I just remember having solid matches with them and really enjoying it.
0: So like that was. Three consecutive weeks that that happened, so that was sort of like, it was sort of an ongoing story, and you guys were involved with the guy who was going to win the Royal Rumble that year, because right. the, the gimmick was that Paul Heyman did not want Benoit in there. So was it? Were you happy to be involved with that, knowing that he was probably going to be on that ascent, or were you, at that time were you like, I'd rather be doing something else?
23: Um,
30: I think I was content with it. Um, I'm I gonna be honest with you, I was always pretty content with the fact that I was on the show. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Obviously you want to continue to grow. Um, So those were my concerns more than anything else. It was to continue to, uh,
0: to climb the ladder. Ultimately the Royal rumble comes down to two people, the winner who goes on to face the champion at WrestleMania usually, and the loser who's in the same boat with 29 other usually wrestlers. However, Sometimes it's a little bit less than that, as I mentioned earlier. Kurt Angle has been the last entrant eliminated in both a 15-man Royal Rumble in 2004, as well as the Royal Rumble itself in 2002. He has some unique perspective, as does a guy by the name of Drew McIntyre, who won the whole thing in 2020. You were a part of one that I haven't heard many people talk about. It was a Royal Rumble on SmackDown in 04. It was after Benoit had won. So the idea was, well, we'll put the 15 SmackDown guys in a Royal Rumble. Came down to you and Eddie Guerrero. So, I mean, you were a part of multiple, Like, you were part of this Royal Rumble, like, just days after on TV. Do you remember how, like, how that was to put together and how it differed from maybe the pay-per-view Rumbles that you were a part of?
31: well the one on tv was a lot less organized uh you know the the pay-per-view one they they want to make sure they nail it and it has to be perfect uh, you know the timing and when guys exit the ring and you know when they come into the ring uh it's it, there's a lot of uh timing issues that you have to make sure you're dead on with but uh, the one on smackdown we had a little more leeway we could you know it was a, it was a pre pre-recorded show so if, if someone messed up, we could edit it. So it, it was a little bit different than the regular Royal Rumble matches.
0: So you were in, I think it was two Royal Rumble matches in like what, two or three days at that point? Because the pay-per-view was just a couple of days yeah. before that. And
31: well, they- the Royal Rumble matches aren't that difficult. Uh, you know, they you, you do your spots and uh, you pretty much just hang out in the ring and try to chop wood for a while and, you know, you wait for the next guy to come in to do his little uh, come back on everybody, and then things calm down a little bit. Then somebody gets thrown out of the ring. Then another guy comes uh, down the aisle. They get in the ring. You give them their shine. Uh, so it's, it's a continuous process throughout the whole match. It's pretty easy psychology. You just have to know when you're, when you're supposed to be feeding the individual and when you're supposed to throw the individual over the top rope.
0: A fun fact on that. Benoit lasted one hour, one minute, but combined with the two Rumbles that you did that week, you lasted like one hour, two minutes, one hour, three minutes. So you spent over an hour in Royal Rumble <laughs> so matches. I did more. That week. And uh, in, in the actual Rumble match, you were the guy that eliminated Bill Goldberg. And we had heard at that point he was creatively frustrated. He was heading towards his match with Brock. How was he to work with there and, and in that spot?
31: Well, I, I didn't work with him much. I mean, all I did was snuck up behind him and threw him <laughs> over the top rope. So it, it wasn't that difficult. Uh, sorry, though, I didn't mean that you were hard to throw over the top rope, but it, it was an easy spot to do. It was just, I just had to show up, throw him over the top rope and continue on.
0: <laughs> do you have any other fond Royal Rumble memories? Because you were in several of them. I mean, you were in one in your last run in WWE. I know you did one in Saudi Arabia. Of course, you you were one of the, the primary names in so many of these, these matches that fans love so much.
31: I, I distinctly remember the Royal rumble when it was ended up with triple H and myself at the end oh, of yeah. the match. And, uh, that w- that was a very special, uh, Royal rumble. I think triple H just came back from injury, I believe. Yes. And, uh, so it, it was, uh, it was a good time. And, and triple H picked me to be the one to be the final one to, to, uh, throw over the top rope and I thought that was a great compliment so um you know it it was his night to shine it wasn't mine unfortunately I never won a royal rumble I wish I did it's the one thing that I wanted to do to put a feather in my cap in my career but it just never happened
0: needless to say you had a pretty fun experience you won the whole thing explain to me what goes through your mind like leading up to that you had built an incredible amount of momentum obviously what happened afterwards is a bummer with how the the world went between the rumble and mania but that specific moment that was one of the last great moments that we got before the pandemic please tell me like how that's brought to you and how maybe you sort of react when you finally get the news that you're, you're winning the royal rumble
15: well, I mean, I was just hoping for a big moment that day. And when I got the idea that I might eliminate Brock, considering what I heard the story was going to be and how dominant he was going to be in the Rumble as WWE champion, I was like, man, that's pretty cool. That's the kind of thing they can make somebody. Um, but then the idea that I'd win as well like blew my mind and I didn't really believe it was going to happen until I was the last person standing in the ring. And there was always like times where I was lying to the side of the ring and the referee was close by and I half expected them to whisper word to me that things have changed so having things changed on me in the past many times throughout my career nothing's official till it's official so it wasn't until that very end moment when i eliminated roman half expecting the crowd to boo because edge had returned after a nine-year absence yeah and that reaction was unbelievable and we've seen the fans turn eh, on winners in the past if they don't get what they want and that was in the crowd i'd be hard pressed not to turn on me too seeing edge eliminated but it was so cool that when Edge was eliminated, Roman and I got into it, and I eliminated Roman, and I heard the reaction that I heard that was equal to when I eliminated Brock, which was such an incredible moment in itself. And you know, that night was the night when Drew McIntyre finally arrived after being the future. And Everyone talking about my potential since I was about 15 years old.
0: So when I'm sure you're one of the few people that knew that Edge was coming back, and when when you know what's going to happen, and you know Edge is going to come back. Again, part of you in your mind has to be like, how's this going to work out for me as well? Like, Because that yeah. is something, I mean, you're, you're not new to this game. You know, sometimes the reaction isn't the desired reaction. So, like, was did you all chat at all beforehand? Or were you just kind of letting him get in the zone for his big moment, his big return, too?
15: Yeah, we definitely chatted. But uh, it didn't change the fact that I was thinking,
7: hmm,
15: nine years. His <laughs> yeah. career was over. He was never coming back. There he is. He's coming back. And if I'm in that crowd, I'm going to be like, oh, cool. Drew's going kind to of cool right now. But there's Edge. My God, what a miracle. I want to see him do the big one. So, yeah, it was certainly weighing on my mind. Hey, That's for sure. But after I got the Brock elimination, I told myself, whatever happens, happens. People are going to react how they react. Hey, I had that amazing moment right there. And I'm winning this thing. And hopefully <laughs> they they'll like it. They don't crap all over it. But if they do, I still won the thing. I've still got my title match at WrestleMania. And I was like so fortunate because I don't take anything for granted. They reacted the way they did. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe, you know, they're behind me this much right now. And all I've done the past few months is just be myself.
0: Thank you so much for checking out Inside War Games 2. Brought to you by NordVPN slash Fightful and use that code Fightful. They brought you this video for free, so make sure you guys support them. Tweet them at NordVPN. Let you know, let them know that you appreciate them like we appreciate you. Uh, I had originally planned on Inside the Royal Rumble to be an annual feature, but as you guys see, it takes up an awful lot of interview time. So it will continue in the future, but maybe not next year. However, we've got plenty of long-form features for you guys, and we've got plenty more in the works. In fact, last year I did inside NXT War Games, talking to a ton of people about that match. You guys are going to want to go check that out. And we have a lot more cool projects coming up for you guys. Check it out. Fightful.com, FightfulSelect.com will have everything you need. And check out our friends at NordVPN.com slash Fightful. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. This is Inside the Royal Rumble 3. Now, some of you are like, well, we didn't expect this stream, and I didn't either until somebody popped into my comments and I mentioned that the article for Inside the Royal Rumble 3 was going to drop on Monday. It's up for Fightful Select subscribers now. Uh, Years down the line, if people see this video, that'll be completely irrelevant. But then I thought to myself, oh, wait, I did do videos for Inside the Royal Rumble 1 and 2. Now now, granted, those are categorically different than the written features that I published on Inside the Royal Rumble. And to give you guys a little background on that, I in I think 2019-2020, I decided I was going to do a big feature of a collection of stories on the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite uh, match event of the year. I've always spoke of the the overwhelming optimism from that, like even if the past two, three, six, eight months suck, you can go into the Royal Rumble and uh, at least have some sense of optimism. Also, I've spoken openly about having ADHD, and I think that having a new person come out every 60, 90, 120 seconds really appeals to that as well. And throughout all the chaos, it actually allows me to focus a little bit more. So I've I've always had a a soft spot for it. I've always loved wrestling in Battle Royals. I've loved watching Battle Royals. Uh, I love that. It's just one of my favorite things. But there was not going to be an Inside the Royal Rumble 3. Based on the heels of the, the first one, I had some stories left over. And I decided to do a second one. But the amount of time that that takes out of interviews and planning and and setting that up is, is kind of overwhelming when everybody that you interview throughout the year is somebody that, that has been in a Royal rumble and you always ask them about that. Well, it gets a bit redundant in interviews and stuff. So I was like, well, at the very least I need to take a year off of it. I need to uh, get my bearings underneath me and then you know, give myself some more time to maybe do another one. I had somebody reach out to, about maybe doing a book or something like that. I don't know. But then uh, like November hit and I looked back at the year that, that had preceded us and how crazy the year was. You know, Cody Rhodes left. Sasha and Naomi walked out. Vince McMahon wrestled. Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestled. Cody showed up in WWE. That's the first half of the year before we got all to all the crazy event stuff, Stephanie leaving the first half of the year, not to mention, you know, the CM punks, the MJFs Vince leaving and coming back. And I was thinking about the big stories at the beginning of the year and the the two big ones were Mickey James being in the Royal rumble. And then how much of a nightmare the Royal rumble was in general, Now, I I reported on a lot of this stuff on Fightful Select, but I realized there's a whole lot of stories and things and conjecture and speculation and rumors that a lot of people just never knew about. And I can pinpoint this month, January 2022, from a reporting perspective, is when a whole wealth of people that previously had retained confidence in Vince McMahon as a booker, as a leader, they lost that confidence. It was gone. And there are so many stories about this. now. Inside the Royal Rumble 1 and 2 were way different. These were on-the-record stories, but for the most part, about 95% of them. We talked to Triple H, Bret Hart, Kurt Bauer, Tom Pritchard, Shane Helms, Shotzi, Victoria, Jake Hager, Kevin Owens, Duke the Dumpster Drosy, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Kurt Angle, Drew McIntyre, Scotty Tuhati, Chelsea Green, Randy Orton, Jeff Jarrett, Dakota Kai, the Bushwhackers, Brian Myers, Sinkara, Mojo, Mike and Maria Bennett, Mandy, Chuck Palumbo. We had a lot of people that talked to us about these Royal Rumble matches and, and what happened behind them and and sort of their experiences, positive, negative, indifferent, how they work, how they don't work. We were able to do that, and I was like, well, there's not going to be anybody, even with Vince gone at the time that will probably speak out about how much how much chaos was associated with the 2022 Royal Rumble. So I decided to do a bit of a different one. We do have quotes from Mickey and Kofi in there, but that's more to support the stories of chaos that were already happening. January 2022 was the lowest I've ever seen WWE's morale, which is ironic because... At the moment that I started writing this in late November 2022, it was the highest I had ever seen it. Now, here we are in January 2023, and that cloud of Vince McMahon is back over the WWE. It started with day one, and a lot of things went wrong with day one. First off, Roman and Brock booked against each other again. Changed the record, right? Well, the record did get changed because Roman Reigns got sick. And what they did was they took Biggie from a one on one match to a you know triple threat, fatal four way. Then they just decided abruptly to throw Brock in there. And not only did they throw Brock in there, Brock won the title. Well, okay. That's the end of the Roman Reigns feud, right? Well, not really. Because Brock would lose that title at the Royal Rumble. Bobby Lashley got hurt along the way, so he couldn't wrestle after that. There were a lot of people upset about Big E. There were people that told me that uh, he was way more upset than, than or disheartened, I should say, than he thought that he was going to be, right? And that's understandable. And Big E is one of those universally liked guys. So I'm looking forward to the Royal Rumble as I do every year, going to St. Louis, hoping they can right some wrongs, but that just didn't happen. Not only did Brock Lesnar win the WWE title that he wasn't even scheduled to to compete for at day one, he won the Royal Rumble a few weeks later because he lost that that title match. Well, what happens a few weeks later when Bobby Lashley gets hurt? Well, Brock's in the Elimination Chamber, wins the title again. What? What? Okay. Okay. We know what happened at WrestleMania. They combine the titles. It gets defended every so often. Yada, yada. There's a lot of people that were very upset about that, about that booking, about how it was inept. And so much had been sacrificed in order to do the same thing they've been trying to do for years. I've always said it. They've been trying to make Fetch happen with Brock and Roman. And SummerSlam was a lot of fun with the tractor and all that stuff. They didn't need what they had, right? They they didn't need to do that. So Big E enters the Royal Rumble at a prime spot. He lasted less than seven minutes, eliminated nobody. There was no redemption whatsoever. Brock popped up as a surprise, went two and a half minutes, number 30, tossed out like five people, won the title back at chamber. A lot of this stuff you couldn't predict. You can't predict Roman Reigns getting sick. You can't predict Bobby Lashley getting hurt. But the choices you make... The choices that you make in association with that, boy, those go a long way. So the Royal Rumble happens. I'm in St. Louis for the show. And we'll get to, to who was around and all that stuff. But you got Abyss, Jamie Noble, Davari, Adam Pierce, some really qualified people helping out with this, this Royal Rumble match. Like, great wrestling minds. Then Shane McMahon came in and helped. Oh, boy. That's where it started. Shane McMahon caused such a wreck in this Royal Rumble that Vince McMahon said to a person of of confidence, he will never get a pop again as long as I'm in this company. Well, what did Shane McMahon want? Well, he was changing around a lot of things. He was changing around a lot of, a lot of entry points for the Royal Rumble. He wanted to put himself in a very advantageous-looking position with Brock Lesnar, and Brock Lesnar doesn't like that. And apparently, uh, Vince McMahon saw it Brock's way, as he probably should have in that situation. Now, Shane was not officially listed as a producer for the match. We've since learned that for this one appearance, he made over $800,000 as an independent contractor. That's probably based on a salary or something like that. But when Vince learned of Shane's plans, he was not happy. And Lesnar was like, you're 51. You've never fought. Why are we going toe to toe? What's going on here? You have a higher opinion of you than I have of you. But as bad as that rumble match was, this would have made it worse. Now, that wasn't even the only messy thing there. There's footage of this that I've seen, too, because a lot of people doubted the story. Shane McMahon was supposed to come in at 29. Randy Orton was supposed to come in at 28. Randy Orton's standing there in Gorilla. Actually, in the trailer for WWE 24 for this very event, they show what happened right before what I'm about to talk about. Randy Orton looks at the camera. He winks. He's chewing his gum. He's excited. And where that cuts off on the trailer is where Shane McMahon's music hits. Here comes the money hits. And Shane McMahon's like, what? What the hell? What's going on? What's going on? Randy Orton literally fell on the ground laughing. Made it abundantly clear that he would not be entering at this number. Shane McMahon is livid. Doesn't know what he's supposed to do. (laughs) Goes on out there has his little spots and Randy Orton's like, well, you know what? I'm not going to come out to ching, ching, bling, bling. That ain't, that's not going to happen there, buddy. Go on and get to the ring as he's literally rolling on the ground laughing. I hope one day they release the footage of this because if you watch the 24, it's a whole lot different than what you would have imagined. It's like, oh, let me tell the story of Austin Theory, who did not really have a big story in this match, right? But the cameras are always there. The cameras are filming everything. Everything. I'll just say this. I don't think Abyss, Jamie Noble, Adam Pierce, and Sean Devari needed help. I don't think they needed help. There were people getting their numbers changed during the middle of this, this match. It was a nightmare. There was no Iron Man spot. Like... AJ lasted 29 minutes. He threw out six people. That was a good spot for him. Uh, there, there were some positives. Johnny Knoxville was incredible. I heard that he was he was joking with people. He was very, very like into it. Like he actually knew his stuff really well too. Um, the night before, I was out with some WWE connections, and there were you know there were rumors that Brock Lesnar unplanned body slammed Wee Man. I can tell you these people at least knew that it was coming because they were very happy with it. They were very much uh, like, that all went according to plan, thumbs up, he he. So either they were trying to make it look like to me that that happened or it was supposed to happen or it was actually supposed to happen. So the Jackass guys were a big hit. Because, you know, a lot of these people grew up on Jackass and they're just wonderful. But a lot of the other Royal Rumbles, Rumble stuff was not well-planned out or or well done. And, I mean, you cannot underscore the importance of not having Pat Patterson there. Now, I know you'd say, well, Pat Patterson wasn't there the year before either. Well, they, they didn't wrestle in front of a crowd there either on, in 2021. That was a Thunderdome crowd. And I know that Pat Patterson had been de-emphasized many times and throughout the years, but he was always available to consult. And he's the guy that invented that match, and this is the first live Royal Rumble that didn't have the option of any of his input. So there's a lot of stuff that you know goes wrong in a in a thing like this. Like Kofi Kingston's spot, unfortunately, messed up. He told me that he was actually happy that he kind of got to experience failing in that sense because that hadn't happened before. It almost did, almost did it at, at a WrestleMania Battle Royal, I think it is. But he was also quick to credit John Morrison and said that he loved Casey Catanzaro and and Naomi's spots. But he said that it it adds to the element of realism. But unfortunately, you know, that affects the match. He was supposed to be in a lot longer than 20 seconds, right? Well, a lot of people didn't know Drew McIntyre was going to be back at all. Like he was out since day one and he was out three or four weeks and they made it sound like he was going to be out for a long time. He had a rough neck injury that had been bothering him for, I think, over five, six years. And people in Gorilla for a guy who had been gone like three or four weeks, were not kept in the know about his return. They were shocked because they they're like, well, we saw you a few weeks ago, but we thought you were supposed to be out for months and months. Eh, No big deal. That's a good surprise. Cool. Bad Bunny was great. AJ Styles and Nakamura's interaction to kick off the Rumble was nice. But people were not happy about Brock Lesnar, who had just won the WWE title, just lost it, also being put in the Royal Rumble to win. That, that didn't exactly sit right with a lot of people, you know? And I'm sure the time heals all wounds type of thing is is real. And fans will look back at this and say, it wasn't nearly as bad. Yes, it was, it was that bad. It was horrible. It was a bad idea. It was an insult to people who watched the show on a weekly basis and wanted to see something fresh. This was the same old shit. And that's before we got to the women's Royal Rumble. So Sasha Banks had come back the night before. Uh, Actually, en route to that meeting that I was just telling you about, I broke the news that Sasha was back. They had done the thing where they said that she was going to be out six weeks, which would put her out past the Rumble, but they, they had always planned for her to be back. So we had reported that. The women's Rumble was unique because there were a lot of women who were not hiding that they were in town, like Cameron running around with her big purple hair and Sarah Logan was rolling around. In fact, I was out to dinner with the two people from WWE. And there was somebody that watched wrestling that like, I think maybe they jokingly asked me for a scoop or something. They said, is the undertaker going to be in the Royal rumble? And the person from WWE said, now he's just a supportive husband. He's here for Michelle, which was absolutely true. 100% true. And I like joked around and I said, well, is Sarah Logan a supportive wife here in town two days before her husband gets here? And they, they just kind of giggled about it because obviously she was set for the Royal Rumble. Now, the thing is, a lot of the women, the, the legends that were announced for this Royal Rumble were contacted well ahead of time, like six, seven, eight weeks ahead of time. But they didn't know that they would be announced at all, much less in December, mid December, they were announced. So they were like, whoa, we didn't have any time to prepare for this. Thought we were going to be surprises, which a couple of them were. But the most interesting one was Mickey James. That's the Forbidden Door one, right? And a lot of people are like, oh my God, impact wrestler Mickey James appearing for WWE. Well, the reality of that situation is she's very loyal to Impact. She could have done it anyway. She was a free agent. She told us on the record, yeah, I was a free agent during that. They didn't really have a say in it. But still, Mickey being the person that she was, like mandated it be a part of the deal, well, I want the Impact title to be featured on there. There were a couple people in Impact who had been under the impression this would be announced after their Hard to Kill pay-per-view. Because when you announce a Mickey James in the Royal Rumble, two weeks before she's got a title match, a main event title match on pay-per-view, it kind of telegraphs what they're going to do because obviously Impact Wrestling is going to want that championship belt on the Royal Rumble. They want it mentioned. On the run sheets internally when it when she was announced, it had question marks after Impact Knockouts Champion, which indicated maybe they'd announce it, maybe they wouldn't. Well, if Vince McMahon had his way, it wouldn't have been at all. Now, I've been told that Mickey was kind of worried that they would do this, right before uh, she came out. And that's exactly what Vince McMahon tried to do. Vince had told a producer, okay, she can do this, but I don't want that championship belt on my TV. And that producer, I don't even know if it made it back to Mickey because that producer said, well, Vince, that's a part of the agreement. And from what I was told, Vince said, fine, fuck it. We'll do it. Just have her do it quick. She got to come out to hardcore country, all kinds of stuff, pick up her feud with Michelle McCool, it was nice, but a lot of these stories that were were written into the Royal Rumble were done by the women themselves. Like you saw, Summer Rae run out, and I can't believe this made it to TV. She goes sprinting to the ring at Natalia. They had been working this angle themselves on social media in relation to their Total Divas days, and Summer screams, "You fucking bitch! Fuck you!" And I didn't even hear of any heat. People thought it was hilarious. Like people backstage even thought it was funny. I was told that Vince like didn't necessarily catch it. He was just like, ah, oh, she's fired up. But, yeah, you think? She was eliminated pretty quickly. But a lot of these women did have to come up with their own stories because a couple of weeks before that, TJ Wilson hit the bricks. And the deal with TJ Wilson has always been Tyson Kidd is that he can pretty much come and go as he wants as a producer. But I had people in the company saying, oh, he's done. He's leaving. Now I had people very close to him that were like, no, 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 no he's not. He's just taking a break. But WWE was very concerned there. They had to bring in Fit Finley to kind of make up for what he was doing. Like, like kind of make up for that and end up helping produce that that show. I'll have more info on, on the other producers a little bit later. But uh, you know, they they wanted to. Get some superstars in for the Royal Rumble, the women's side of things, but not having T.J. Wilson there did did hurt them. They had Shane Helms, Molly Holly, Pat Buck, who is now in AEW, and Michael Hayes, all very good, but Lana was contacted and she was like, "I don't really want to do it without T.J. there." Like that was that was a big thing. Uh, Nia Jax was contacted for the Royal Rumble. Didn't want to do it. She was like, you guys just fired me. Why the, Why would I do that? The Iconics were both contacted. Even though they were both under actual contracts, they didn't seem keen on doing it. So, I mean, that was four people off the bat that they wanted and they didn't get. Kyrie Sane and Asuka were mentioned, but we were told that Asuka wasn't ready. Uh, you know, the pun there. And Kyrie wasn't available or something like that, or at least that, that was the line they were given. They, they asked about Alexa Bliss. They said, nope, we can't use Alexa Bliss. We've got these, these skits, these segments running where she's in therapy. We can't bring her out there. We can't do it. We've got these in the can for a few weeks after this and and we're changing her character. So she's not featured on TV. Well, guess what? She wasn't too thrilled that she didn't win elimination chamber and they didn't have anything creatively for her. So she went home a few weeks after those skits anyway. Okay. But not having that cohesive production definitely didn't help. Now when, when they get into town, they do rehearsals like a couple nights before they they've got a, a section blocked off in the hotel on like a different floor. I'm not going to say what floors they do it on, but they have a ring set up and they go through rehearsals there and they do it that way. Nobody can walk in. That's not supposed to be there. Uh, and, and there were major problems with the hotel that the wrestlers were staying at. Like, I mean, I promise these wrestlers love seeing you guys, but there were mobs and lines there that they, they weren't necessarily, you know, that's their second home and you're know, trying to protect some surprises. Not necessarily conducive to that situation. But, women's Royal Rumble. Sasha gets eliminated with the quickness. People are not happy about it. Ivory pops up. That's great. That's great. Pretty cool. Rebella showed up. Got a great pop. Michelle McCool does what she does. Works a good 20 minutes. The in-ring work just wasn't quite there, right? And a bunch of the legends came in, got eliminated, and under, like, what... A minute, I feel like eight or nine of the women that got brought in were just eliminated in under a minute. Lita came in banged up, she was hurt. She was, she had trained for the match, she had a banged up shoulder, a banged up neck. It was, you know, it was tough for They, they and there was some concern there. It doesn't help that Vince McMahon's booking didn't exactly instill much confidence, right? Like, because it wasn't good. I did think that the story between Sonia and Cameron made an awful lot of sense because uh, Naomi had told me just the day before that she was excited about that storyline with uh, with Sonia Deville because she never had like an extensive storyline. Either way, Ronda Rousey comes back, you know, not her best run in 2022, but a big star that came back, got a big pop. That was nice. But still, you run these Royal Rumbles, and neither of the people that won it were really promoted. Now, we had broken the news that Ronda Rousey was coming back that week. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We had heard that Bad Bunny was in town, that Shane McMahon was in town, but there were some people that weren't weren't on the show that were in town. Like Jillian Hall rolled up unadvertised, head to the secret rehearsal room. What are you going to do? Oksana, Caitlin were around, but I mean, they were alternates and WWE does that pretty often, especially since COVID they'll have alternates on hand on the men's side. There was Apollo, Cedric, R-Truth, Shelton. They were all used for media day and, and, and filming like table for three and all that. Cause what they'll do is whenever there's a ton of people in town, they'll bring them in and do table for three. Like they had been talking with Kurt angle about potentially refing a match, Around there, they're like, well, come into St. Louis. We'll do something with you anyway. They had some meetings. They ended up filming table for three. Neato, gang. Cool. Maximize your content, right? Makes an awful lot of sense to me. I'll tell you what doesn't make sense to me. When you're at the Royal Rumble, and you set off pyro right underneath a very flammable sign. The WrestleMania sign, the one that they point to all the time, Caught fire twice. I was directly behind it in, in the seats that we got, the credentialed seats. This is the second fire I've seen in WWE. Raw 1001 in Cincinnati. Caught the arena on fire. We had to evacuate. Evacuate. It's back when I worked for One Wrestling. I did a little call-in with Bill Apter. It caught on fire. And a lot of people were distracted during the Becky and Dewdrop match. It was very distracting. Then... Towards the the, the last match. It did it again. They had to evacuate everybody from underneath there. It was scary. It was dangerous. You had the the, the stuff dripping down. It was a nightmare, man. An absolute nightmare. A mess. Caught fire twice. And they're just like, "Eh, whatever. Fortunately, they were on top of it. Uh, But people backstage, they had no idea. They were like, why is everybody so distracted? Like, in fact, I heard people in Guerrilla were like, man, why is this match not hitting? Why is this match not connecting? Some other stuff that I learned about the Royal Rumble. A wrestler had tried to pitch for Mustafa Ali to be in the match. Mustafa Ali had publicly asked for his release. And there were some people that were like, well, I don't know if he'd even want to do that. And then when the story came out, he was like, you're damn right. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Oh, boy. Melina popped up and got eliminated in less than a minute, and there was some pushback on that because, yeah, you know, the, the diva era stands. Of course, they love Melina. Why wouldn't they love Melina? She stayed active. She she looked great. She like looked like she could do some stuff, and you have her come in do this face off with Sasha, two people who would have never have interacted in the ring, and then poof, she's gone. There was some pushback internally on a lot of these legends being eliminated with such quickness. There were rumors, reports, that Matt Riddle was supposed to win the Royal Rumble. It was like a last-minute decision not to, and I was told, no, 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 no. Not only was Matt Riddle not a last-minute decision to not win the Rumble, he was never discussed to win the Rumble, and they had never discussed anybody but Brock. And even on, like, day one, you would hear, oh, this person was supposed to win, this person was supposed to lose. They didn't tell anybody who was supposed to win the day one title match until it was said, Brock's going to win. Now, the NXT talent was very baffling here, right? Because WWE had to bring in like 10, 11, 12, 13 legends for the Women's Royal Rumble because Vince McMahon and company had fired so many people that they didn't have enough to fill it out. Now, Fightful Select had reported this past week ahead of the 2023 Rumble that in the first set of meetings, it was said, okay, we're not going to lean into that so much this year. We got a big enough roster. There are over 30 women active in WWE that can use up spots in the Royal Rumble, but they were told to come up with unconventional surprises. I don't know what that means for NXT. And, of course, there's likely to be some surprises, I'm sure. I ain't saying there's no legends, but there have definitely been some some old-timers, so to speak. These women are 35 to 40, hardly old-timers. That have reached out and been told thanks, but no thanks. Maybe another time we'll do it. Because they've done that quite a few times with those women. There, there's a lot of repeat usage out of these legends, right? But in 2022, WWE wanted to stay far away from utilizing NXT 2.0 talent. None were used in either Royal Rumble match. I would, I would expect now that's going to be different. Now, I mean... This loss of confidence in Vince McMahon really kicked off in January, and it really hit hard at the Royal Rumble. I gained a lot of sources, quite frankly, from the booking of January, from day one to Royal Rumble. There were a lot of people that were willing to talk, that were complaining, that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. And by WrestleMania, I will say that there were were some people that sort of regained a little bit of confidence because Cody Rhodes came in. And then after that, they're like, all right, well, they're booking him all right, but nobody else is getting booked all right. And we n- will never know how long Vince would have booked Cody Rhodes competently because then Cody got hurt. And then, you know, obviously Vince McMahon was exposed to be exactly what most people knew that he was, right? But the morale in January was the lowest I had ever seen it. And they had to know it was a bad idea the way they booked the Rumble because what did they do? After Brock did all his shit, they're like, hey, Randy, we need you to stay in the ring and pose for the St. Louis crowd. Send them home happy. Let's do something like that. Or you could just book the damn show, right? Just book the damn show the correct way. I'm going to let a report speak for itself right after the Rumble. It said... WWE's morale seems at a uh, seems near a decades-long low, if not an all-time low, for the locker room. Since this past week's heavily criticized Royal Rumble fightful, has heard from a wealth of discouraged and disappointed WWE talent, frustrated with the direction of the company, ranging from those rarely on television to consistent main eventers, new names and veterans. We've heard of decreasing morale within the locker room. The Royal Rumble was a major point of frustration. Issues with how the match was produced. The lack of most talent not being highlighted to maximize their presence were repeatedly noted. There were also issues with moments not being created, the lack of capitalizing on many angles that built itself to the match. One longtime talent said that nothing matters outside of four people, maybe, as the vibe that they get. Over a half dozen main roster talent pointed to issues with continuity and nobody else being designed to do anything. Several talent have felt like they're without a voice, and are reduced to making pleas on social media. Another talent said that they've never felt less heard and their attempts to uh, speak with Vince McMahon, go ignored, met with haste, or sometimes seemingly spitefully go the other way based on their recommendations. We've also heard of several contradictory decisions over the past months that have reversed course to something that talent had already pitched and been denied prior, which means they would pitch something, they'd be told no, then they would get on board with the other plan Vince would go back to that and say, ah, uh, we'll go with that, but it would be too late. One wrestler stated, quote, if you see a complaint with merit and in good faith about something that lacks sense, logic, or continuity, I almost guarantee we've complained about it too. It just never changes anything, end quote. Several talent we spoke to believe that WWE will eventually sell with one saying that's the only way they can rationalize some of the decision-making should be noted that this report doesn't reflect the locker room as a whole, only those we spoke to and their experiences. So, here we are. It is a year later, and this this cloud of Vince McMahon does hang over WWE again. We have an opportunity to see a Triple H booked Royal Rumble, a guy who's been in a lot of them. He's been around a lot of them. And look at the producers they have now—very competent guys, very smart guys and girls. Not enough girls, but they need—they need some more women producing. They've got some special people that can be made here. This is—you do a Rick Martel spot where somebody you go like he went forty minutes, really. You create feuds. You set up matches. Somebody eliminates somebody from the Royal Rumble. They're mad. There you go. I could do a whole other stream on things I would fix. I would you know, say, hey, if you don't come to the ring and get in, by the time the next entrant comes in, you're, you're DQ'd. You're out. No people who aren't in the match eliminating other people. No standing on the ground and then getting back in, you know. Let's get creative with these spots as opposed to just having one foot on the ground and hopping around. There's a lot of things that I would change about the Royal Rumble, but I still love it and I still want it to be the best thing. It's an opportunity of optimism, it's an opportunity to see a whole lot of talent look good. Go back to the 2004 Royal Rumble, Matt Morgan, he was green as hell, right? green as hell and didn't really wrestle uh, much after that. But when I saw that, I go, oh, that's why they were pushing this guy. That's why they had him doing something, something fun. He was in for 12 minutes. He came in, he got his shine. He eliminated a guy, he hit some power bombs, some big moves. And I'm like, damn, he could be a guy. I want to see them maximize the Royal Rumble. I would love to see them do like a mid-year Raw Rumble. Or an NXT Rumble. Get some viewers, man. Do it. Get a presenting sponsor. And go commercial free. Or just say, we won't have any entries during the break. That would be a cool approach. The Royal Rumble, to me, is the most special match. And they have also done it, I would say, a bit of a service. in the, Just because... They win the Royal Rumble does not mean that they're going to win the world title. I mean, look how many people have we seen that that didn't, right? Like, a ton. Nakamura, Brock. Well, Brock wanted an Elimination Chamber, but, like, Rousey, Edge. There, there were a lot of people who, of late, have not done that. And I think it's all right to do. It couldn't be the boyhood dream every year, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, Shawn Michaels didn't win it in 95. Luger didn't win it in 94. Stone Cold in 97 didn't end up getting the title. Obviously, Mr. McMahon didn't. The Rock didn't end up winning the title in 2000. They've done it enough to where, well, you don't necessarily know who is going to win it and then go win the title, but also... I feel like there's been a bit of a disservice because it doesn't feel as special and it should feel very, very special. Greg Cherry mentions Del Rio and Cena. I want the Royal Rumble to be special and a lot of it has to do with great booking. And when a Royal Rumble is great, look at 92. Look at 2007. Look at how great a Royal Rumble can be. 2001. Look at how great it can be, how special it can be. And let's go with that, guys. I hope you all enjoyed Inside the Royal Rumble three. Read the written piece, please. Read the written piece. Uh, it has a lot more to it. It's a lot more. It's a lot easier for me to type out the mess than than even speak it. And even as bad as it seems, it was worse. We're in a new era. Hopefully, we're in a fun era. Hopefully, we're in an era. Where this stuff will be us talking about positive memories because that's what I want out of wrestling. I want, I want the I know if it bleeds, it leads. They say I, I want some happy stuff, man. I want to talk to people about these iconic Rumble moments. I, I want stuff like Mickey James showing up to be like, "Damn, remember that? I couldn't believe that happened." Instead of, "Well, Vince almost didn't let her wear the title out there until somebody said tough shit." Thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out. I hope you guys enjoyed the original three Inside the Royal Rumble features, but that's not all. As I mentioned at the top of this marathon show, uh, we've picked up footage from press conferences and interviews since the 2022 Inside the Royal Rumble 2. We were there on site at multiple Royal Rumbles. Uh, We were also uh, fortunate enough to speak to people like Kofi Kingston and others about their Royal Rumble experiences. So as a bonus for you guys that are watching this right now, check out some extra footage. I know last year didn't play out the way that you had expected.
14: What do you mean? Sure it did. That's what we, that's what we, that's what we wanted to do. It was supposed to be exactly that. What do you mean?
0: I feel like not a lot of things (laughs) went the way people expected at last year's Rumble. That was, that was a very interesting one to cover. Like from, from my job, how long were you supposed to be in that Rumble, Kofi?
14: Yeah. So I, when you go back and look at the stats, sometimes like, you know, people will say like, okay, this person was in for this amount of time. I think no. I was, that was like the shortest amount of time that I had been in any rumble. Of course it was like the shortest duration of a superstar in last year's rumble too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was definitely supposed to be longer than that. I don't know how long uh, it was supposed to be, but uh, I was supposed to be longer than that. But, um, you know, like I- I've talked about it where like, uh, I feel like, you know, we have our our biggest growth when we fail, right? When we don't do what we intended to do, when we go to set a goal and we try to accomplish it and we don't accomplish it, you know? Um, That is where, like, real growth happens, you know? So part of me was, like, uh, kind of excited for for the growth, you know, to be able to experience that, you know? Uh, You know, it's a situation, too, where, like... um, I've been doing these Royal Rumble elimination uh, uh uh you know spots for 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 a long time. Of course. So, but you well, I'm surprised like none of them have messed up to this point. You know what I'm saying? So um but I think it just kind of adds an element of like realism to what we do and it just kind of reinforces like yeah, we go out there every single week and uh things go off without a hitch. Um but sometimes they don't. And that's just the reality of what we do. Like what we do is not easy it is actually quite difficult. And sometimes, you know, you have to, uh, everything has to be a hundred percent accurate. Everything, you know, if one thing is off then everything will be off. So um, yeah, man, it's it's all good. It's all good. We're uh, hopefully this year will be a little bit different. It can't be worse. You know what, what I'm saying? It can't, it can't go worse. Than I don't it did think
0: anything year. can like, go worse. The sign not- caught on fire <laughs> last year, like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Does
14: it does it flatter you
0: when you see other people that, that have, like, adopted this sort of thing? Like, it, it went from just a Kofi yeah. thing to, like, Naomi was doing it and John Morrison was doing it. And yeah. obviously, y- you don't own exclusive rights to Rumble no. safes. But, I mean, you did inspire this.
14: Well, so, and I'll, let me back it up for one second because it was actually Morrison okay. who was the one who did it first. Okay. And so, he when he got knocked off the apron, and I always make sure to do this because everyone talks about me doing it. And sure. I'm like, no, right. no. I stole it. I stole it from him. <laughs> so he actually uh, got knocked off the apron and then he landed on the barricade in Spider-Man and parkour his way back to the ring. And then the year after that, he wasn't with the company anymore. So I was like, oh, uh, is anybody gonna do something like this? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, you know? And then it morphs into you know this, this handstand deal. Uh, And then, um, you know, it just kind of took off from there to the point where people are like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know, you know. So, um, yeah, but it's awesome to see people going out and and finding ways to stand out because uh, that's really what our industry is all about. Whether you have an hour long match or you have a 30 second spot on television, you always want to find a way that, you know, for, for people to be talking about you whatever they're whenever they're thinking about the recap of the show, you want them to think about like, hey oh remember when you did this or remember when you yeah. did that So you maximize the time that you have so um, yeah it's cool that people are able to like demonstrate like their their skill level. Naomi is an incredible athlete and and super creative so when she was doing those it was it was great you know it was awesome. Uh, Casey Catanzaro, you right like doing her oh, yeah, thing a couple yeah. years ago she's an incredible athlete, you know, uh Sol Ruka obviously in the past rumble over on NXT a couple uh, or last week. Like she is a super athlete. She's out there doing handstands and showing out and like, okay, I can I, she she it's just incredible, man. I am I'm, I'm just glad that the people get to see people display their athleticism because at the end of the day like we're working for the match, we're working so that people uh, uh to leave the 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 match and leave the night with an experience that they never forget so anything that you know people do uh, or superstars do to be able to contribute to that emotion is uh that's that's our job you know that's that's our job it's what we're supposed to do
0: Of you were at the royal rumble i was there i was actually our media section was right behind i don't know if it was maybe your family or somebody but there was a very raucous group specifically that were they were just going bananas over you what like how do you find out okay you're gonna be in the royal rumble and what's your reaction to that because i mean that's got to be something that, that's, that's a dream
27: yeah that's like honestly like money in the bank royal rumble and wrestlemania were like my top dream bucket list matches when i was a kid um so when they told me hey you're gonna be in the royal rumble i was like it's my first <laughs> year here I was like, "This is insane." I feel like it's so much to process, um, but like I said, I'm trying to take in every moment, like as much as I can. uh, Especially in that Royal Rumble when I made my entrance, I just, I was like, "All right, I gotta look everywhere, take every single soak it all in." Um, But yeah, it's it's so cool. Like the moments that you get to have in professional wrestling, it's it's amazing.
0: There's bootleg footage of it, but you all did a Royal Rumble at MSG in '94. And Owen ended up winning it. Do you remember like why <laughs> they did that? And like, at, like anything about Some, that match?
32: Something different. I think it was just I think it was the match Tony Helm and I
0: got hurt in.
32: Oh, really? Yeah, both. I mean, not not we didn't get hurt together, but both of us ended up going to the hospital. I um I did a spinning head scissors with Nash, and I did and something just went wrong, and I I tore my uh partial tear in my media collateral, my right knee. Nothing that required surgery, but it was like, I was out for like five or six I, weeks.
0: I'm like, I have your thing pulled up here and like, yeah, you were out like five or six weeks after that. That's. Yeah. So I, mean, I that's, missed
32: the Royal Rumble. I missed the the Providence oh, Royal Rumble. Cause that yeah. was like
0: a week later. So I'm sure you were supposed to be in that. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that is a bummer. Uh, like, what are, what are you, what are you going to do? It ain't, it ain't ballet as they say. And, you had mentioned like you would have been in this year's Royal Rumble if asked, like, did you yeah. speak to anybody there? Like anybody in WWE about possibly doing that? Or did they reach out?
32: No. So all I just, all I said, and there's probably similar to what I, I just saw RVD say. Like I just told him, Hey, I'm going to be ready. If you guys want me. Yeah. But like, I just told him, look, also, my feelings won't be hurt if if, if you don't. Sure. Like, is not I'm? But I'm. But I'm. I'm making a comeback, regardless. Like, I mean, I'm happy
0: to do it in the WWE ring, but like, I'll be fine either way. Did you know ahead of time Chris Jericho was coming out because that was a big surprise there? And sometimes they play those really close to the vest, and it's a very need-to-know basis.
5: Sean, honestly, I. I don't remember.
0: Honestly,
5: <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. And I have to be honest, you know, I have to sure. be I don't remember.
25: Uh, I mean, you all, sure, you so. all did
0: have an, an elimination together when you all tossed out Brodus Clay. And uh, I, I'm sure that was like a concentrated effort. Like whoever set up the Royal rumble and was agenting that was like, Hey, all of you got to throw this big guy out to make him look as strong as possible.
3: What I
5: can say is, like, matches like that, one of the, one of the producers that is uh, on top of it is Jamie Noble. That, that's mm-hmm. one thing I can say. Jamie Noble is very creative. Uh, but honestly, like, a lot of, you know, I haven't drunk since August 2017, right before my release. So I always say, uh, and I took this from Chelsea lately, I remember some of my memories with sure. WWE, but some of it was a blur, honestly.
0: I know once you eliminated Dory Funk Jr. out of the, the 96 Rumble, and then as Quang, you, you uh, tossed out Doink. What were the differences in working a match like that with a mask, without a mask? Well,
16: <clears throat> it's just the character. To me, just the character. You know, uh, uh, Quang was uh, the TNT that I performed here in Puerto Rico and Japan. Uh, the only thing, he was, uh, you know, changed something in the outfield in uh, a mask, you know, on coin. On and TNT was the same, but just with the paint.
0: We know what clip's popping up all the time for yeah, you, Titus. Yeah. Are you tired of it yet?
11: Uh, no, I'm not.
0: Uh, you know,
11: it's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, uh, in life is just much like a lot of stuff that happened in my life. I tell people all the time I fell down and got back up so many times. Uh, I'm still alive and well to tell the story. And, uh, and you're you know, an entertainer, I'm an entertainer. You're at the end of the People. day. Yeah. So I don't really don't have anything to be embarrassed about. Got paid a lot of money uh, <laughs> yeah. to fall under the ring and survive. So I've survived. And uh, now I'm in the WWE Hall of Fame as a Warrior Award recipient and uh, and the WWE Global Ambassador. So uh, for all those that want to laugh, I'm still, you know, uh Proud to be a WWE superstar and proud to be able to be, have this platform to do so many great things. For a
0: while, Shawn Michaels was your Rumble Kryptonite. He was tossing you out every year. Did you notice the pattern at that point? Because you all had history by then. Right.
11: Uh, the first, I really didn't notice it until the the, the last year.
14: Yeah. The but third like year, and three I was like, in a
0: row. you know, the first
11: time I was like, big deal. The second time, like, oh, Shawn's throwing me out again. But the third time is like, wait again, <laughs> like. Is this is someone playing a joke on I me? Mean, like, what, what, what? So, I mean, but I mean, it's Shawn Michaels, but at the same time, like, again?
17: Yeah. <laughs>
11: so, so I, I don't know. I don't know what's that about. Um, there's no history behind it. There's no
0: story behind it. There was no. Uh, he specifically I, said he had a competitive match with me three years in a row. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
11: That, that's the best I can think of. Uh, so
29: Yeah, you know, I have been in the Rumble every single year, and but it still does feel new to me. guys because I feel, like, new. I feel different this year. Um, I don't feel like the same Liv that entered the Rumble and was eliminated in, like, you know, 45 seconds or less. You know, I just feel so different this year. So it feels like kind of my first time.
0: Do you remember your reaction the first time you were told you were going to be in a Royal Rumble match?
29: Um, yeah, I mean, the first time we were told that the women were going to have a Royal Rumble, so we were we were all so extremely excited, and um, we were like, "Yeah, you know, um, finally, you know, thank you very much." And so it was just it was like one of those moments where we knew we were making history, we were cementing another legacy in women's wrestling, and leaving it better than we found it for the future generations to come. And so it's exciting. Um,
9: But I'm really excited for this year. I really am. It's
0: Royal Rumble time as we film this. I think you've been in every one, haven't you? I
9: have. I have. I have. Is
0: that a point of pride for you?
9: It definitely is. I have that experience, um, and I definitely take pride in that.
0: Do you have a favorite Royal Rumble moment or, like, a favorite person that you've mixed it up with or maybe something you've learned from a Royal Rumble match?
9: Um, You know what? Last year, was it was fun to be in the ring with Michelle McCool, uh, I, although she did eliminate me. But she it, was, did. it was awesome working with her, uh, getting to know her, and also talking with Undertaker a lot um, backstage, too, because I was with her putting, you know, things together and talking through everything, and it's amazing to work with her Um and knowing what she has and the knowledge she brings to the table was was awesome.
0: Betonline.ag is the official betting partner of Fightful. 100% of the time when you get the odds from Fightful, they are coming from betonline.ag. And it's not just wrestling, it's not just MMA and boxing. It's football, it's basketball, baseball, hockey. They have the earliest lines. You can bet big with the high limits and rebet functionality. They have the fastest payouts with winnings paid in minutes and the industry's best bonuses on every qualifying deposit. They've been trusted for 25 plus years. It's not some fly-by-night company. BetOnline AG has been there. They've done that. In addition, they're trusted by millions. They've got VIP rewards programs and a ton of popular games. BetOnline a g that's where i go to make my bets that's where i suggest you go to my friends please just bet what you can and bet responsibly